How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of your favorite Swim Bay podcast, Scales and Tails, episode 88. We're joined by a guy who uh, who's from the Pittsburgh area. And uh, I want to say no. So I had Noah on. He's from Pennsylvania. So you're like the second guy from Pennsylvania. So you're, you're like a trendsetter now. I'm going to go in a wave of just talking to guys from Pennsylvania here pretty soon after this. But we're joined by Mr. Ross Barger. Is that how you said it? Sparger? Sparger. You got Barger. it. Oh, you, had yeah. you had Sean on recently too. He's PA. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right, dude. I, I dude, I could but not. It's like, like you, Delaware Water Gap, PA. That's okay. why it's kind of weird. <laughs> if you were like, if you were like, make a list of everybody you've had on, dude, I would definitely probably miss like 15 people. Like, there's like, there's people that I had on like way at the beginning that I just completely yeah. fucking forgot that I ever talked to or interviewed. I, dude, I don't know. It's, it's like, I don't know. I've talked to a lot of fucking people. I looked at my phone bill because, like, I'm notorious for talking to people on the phone. And in the last, it was like 27 days. I've had close to 40 hours, like phone, like phone time, like just talking to people. That's dude, crazy. Dude, my girlfriend absolutely hates it. You're always on the fucking phone. You can't just text people. I'm like, no, like. The shit we talk about. that always want to call. Like, I'll text them, and they will not respond to my text, and they'll call me. And I'm like, dude, I got two kids, or I'm doing this, that, or the other thing. And then they want to talk for 45 minutes, but I do it because they're good friends. Yeah, it's like like some connections. Yeah, some stuff you cannot convey over text, like, at all. Yeah, or it's too much. He's like that. He wants, that's what it is, is. He's like, I just hate writing out message after message after message, so... You'd like, rather get in depth on the phone for half an hour. Yeah, if I want to talk to somebody, I I don't especially I don't like essentially want to do it on text. Like if I'm going to talk to you, like I'm going to like pick your ear, pick your brain, or like explain something, and I want to hear what you think of it, or like you know I want to hear some constructive criticism. I don't just want like oh yeah, sounds good. Like that just not that it pisses me off. But just like oh, I know that's not what you mean, but you're just doing it because you don't want to fucking type anything. <laughs> Oh man! So episode eighty-eight, we're in uh, we're in Pittsburgh. So uh, with Mister Ross, as I said, kind of uh, kind of explain who you are for the people who uh, who aren't aware. What, what's the Instagram handle? Maybe that'll jog some people's mind or memory if they don't uh, don't know who you are. Ross, <laughs> Ross, big big boss, Ross. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's that's comical. So how? <laughs> How did uh, how did Big Boss Ross get into the the world of fishing? This this wild, crazy, expensive hobby that we have all unfortunately or fortunately have picked up along the way. I think it's very fortunate. I've, I've loved every minute of it. I can't get enough of swim baiting, but uh, yeah, definitely is, uh, expensive. It can be. I guess once once you establish a pretty good collection, though, and you feel like you have enough baits, you can trade for stuff that you want to try mm-hmm. and stuff things of that nature you know you don't have to spend a bajillion dollars even to have nice yeah. baits and it's but, like it's super nice i've talked about this before that there are there's like catalogs of pages obviously jason carroll's swim bait review is the main one but like you can go out and, and research a bait before you buy it like builders post swim videos and stuff it's not like you know, we're in the early 2000s in California where they're just like, oh, yeah, this is what this bait does. And, you know, you buy it for $200. Like, this motherfucker lied to me. This bait doesn't do that at all. But uh, getting into fishing, fishing in general, I've fished pretty much all my life. My uh, 
my mom's side of the family was all fishermen. Uh, my grandma, so her mother, she has a house that she lives in for most of the year in Ocean City, New Jersey. And then she lives part of the year down in like West Palm Beach, I think it is in Florida. And so she goes down there for the winter and was up in New Jersey for the most of the rest of the year. So we'd go and spend a week because we could drive there from Pittsburgh. It's like seven, eight hour drive go drive there for the weekend. We'd stop and see family that were along the way in uh, Phoenixville area, which is like a suburb of Philly. And uh, go visit aunts and uncles and cousins and all that good stuff. And go out to Ocean City, New Jersey, and we'd go out and fish for flounder. We'd go crabbing. Uh, we'd stop down by the piers and stuff like that and see the striper fishermen. And I've been down there whenever they reeled in one that was longer than I was as I was a 12-year-old kid. I was like, holy crap, that's nuts. They're like, we've been out here. Like, we pulled up at probably 10 a.m. They're like, we've been out here since 1 o'clock in the morning or whatever. You know, that was probably my first experience of ever knowing somebody that was grinding through the night looking for one. Yeah. They might have been looking for multiple big bites because I'm sure they were keeping them. Giant stripers doing whatever they were doing with them because... It was pretty interesting. But anyway, uh, that was my introduction to fishing, and I did that every summer. And They had fish mounted up on the walls, pictures of them over the years catching fish. My grandma's got pictures of her with just hog bass that she's caught down in Florida. Uh, so I've always been around fishing and been interested in it and liked it. And then me personally fishing recreationally here in Pittsburgh, I just kind of picked it up. That's something to do in high school with my buddies. We would just go out and there was a lake that was five, 10 minutes from our high school. And we'd go over there and catch bluegill. And uh, we didn't even know what we were doing. Just bought whatever and got mealworms and bobber and just catching BS. And then I was out there one day and some guy walked up and he had a big, long black worm and a giant hook at the top. And he was throwing, throwing that out. And within a few casts, he caught like probably two or three pound bass looking back on it. But I was like, wow, that was awesome. And I immediately packed up my stuff, got in my car, drove straight to the tackle shop, and I looked for black long worms and big hooks. And they didn't have anything like that. They had salamanders that were black and that were long. And I found some hooks that were totally the wrong hooks, rigged it all up, tied some janky knots because I didn't know what I was doing, and didn't catch anything. I went right back there and didn't catch anything. But I went back the next day, and I hooked a freaking monster. It came out from under a log right as I was bringing it in, like a couple feet from the shore. And it came out from this log that was right there, sucked it in, took it under the log. And I, was, I had an ugly stick. So that thing was bowed over like all hell. And I'm like yelling to my buddy, like, dude, 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 I got one, I got one. And he comes over and he's like, no, you're just hooked to that log. I'm like, no, I'm telling you for a fact, this fish came out, grabbed my bait and took it under the log. It's there. I'm trying to get it out. And I finally was able to work the fish out from underneath the log. And we slung it up on shore, and we had never caught any bass at this point. We, Like I said, we were just catching bluegill and uh, crappy and stuff like that. So, like, we didn't even know about, like, uh, lipping a bass or doing any of that. We were totally naive, didn't know anything. And it uh, was shaking while it's hanging there because the rod just bowed over, and we're just holding it there like, dude, this is crazy. And it shook off. And I was on like a rock bank and we're like shuffling our feet, trying to keep it there, 
trying to get a picture of it and stuff like that. It just slipped right back into the water. And we were just looking at each other like, dude, that was freaking awesome. And then I caught like one more fish and I started fishing like that more and more, just fishing conventional and figuring it out and looking stuff up, going to the tackle shop, just buying baits and trying them out, being like, what does this one do? What does this one do? And catching fish, oh, this one works. They like this at this time. Just going as much as I could and got really into bass fishing in general. And then uh, whenever the Whopper Ploppers came out, I got hooked on that and was fishing a Whopper Plopper, going for big blow-ups all the time. Go out first thing in the morning, go out in the middle of a storm, just got addicted to doing that. And then actually getting into swim baits was, uh, I had a buddy that found some pond that had a pretty good bite and he was like oh yeah you should get swim baits because the bass like swim baits in the fall so he had me go to dick's sporting goods and buy a savage gear gill for like 10 12 bucks something like that and i was used to buying whopper ploppers so it didn't seem that crazy but anyway i went and used that and he caught a couple fish i caught one fish but nothing crazy and then like a week later i went and I caught my PB at the time, which was only a high four, but I was like the first fish that I could hold and like stick my whole fist down in its mouth. And I had big old bug eyes on it and it was just sick. And so then I started looking into swim baits. I was like, oh, swim baits are the juice. And I started <laughs> looking into it and got on, actually I got on underground first and I went on there and I started buying up baits and just buying starter baits and stuff that was kind of cheaper and covering my bases. Like, oh, I want to try softies. I want to try S waiver. I want to try uh, Shellcracker G2, uh, HUD Gill, anything that was kind of smaller. Yeah. And uh, stocked up, but that wasn't like all swim bait. I was just kind of doing research and getting into it. And then I was like stocking up for fall specifically because I was thinking like, oh, it's a fall tactic. That's when they eat the swim baits. It's not like a year-round thing. It's not something that they'll always eat. And the next fall didn't really happen. It went straight heat, hot-ass summer to cold winter. It didn't ever really transition. It was just kind of weird. And I didn't experience the same bite. The fish didn't push up shallow like I had experienced the year before. And I was just like, dang, I spent all this money and, like, got all excited to get swim baits. And, like, it kind of clicked then, like, not having success and not finding that same bite that I was hoping for. Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blanks. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a Depths 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. I was just like, well, this big fish got to eat bluegill all the time. They're not getting to be five, six, seven pounds because they're picking flies off the surface or you know, eating little dinky stuff all day long and all of these different baits and this whole genre of swim baiting. And I see all these people catching these big fish. And uh, actually, I followed a lot of fishermen on Instagram, like Jeremy Campbell and um, uh, Jordan Harrington and 
guys like that up in the northeast that were going out and fishing baits at night or just in general sticking big fish in the northeast on swim baits uh keeping it real fishing that dude i love his videos his yeah YouTube videos are fucking extremely extremely inspirational and i love them um i think his content is amazing and i really like that he shows because he, he his fishing uh, resonates with me the most because he shows himself like oh yeah guys i've been out here i haven't caught a fish in three weeks and He'll be out there for 10 hours and he'll get one bite and it'll be like a mid four. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's legit how it is where I am. That yes, there, and he has caught like a seven pounder, I think a high seven he caught on video. On that G2 uh, shell cracker. That's a sick. Yep. Video. On the G2 like shell cracker. Yeah. There's so like an another hour long one. version of that video and it is so fucking sweet. Yeah. And Jer Jeremy used to fish that thing all the time too. Uh, Hopefully after he hears this, he'll pick it back up and stick a tank. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a lot of those guys just really inspired me to be like, oh, this is possible, you know? These guys are catching big fish. And I, that was a huge reason why I got really into night fishing. Mm -hmm. um, but that's how I got really into fishing swim baits, was just picking up that Savage Gear Gale at Dick's and quickly catching the biggest fish I'd ever caught. And I saw my buddy stick multiple fish in a day and I'd caught one before that. And, and then, like I said, I got super into it then after that and did all this research and planned and then didn't come together how I thought. But then it's just, <laughs> just like, oh, they got to hit this stuff all year round. Like I didn't waste all my time and money for nothing. Yeah. And then started fishing them more and figured it out. And I met good people too that helped me know the right spots to be fishing too because i think that's a big a big aspect to catching big fish is that you need to be spending your time where there are big fish you know yeah and that's what i was going to ask is what what are like the fishing opportunities around where you grew up i mean is it a lot of ponds and stuff or is there like rivers and streams that hold bass or kind of what's it set up like out there it's really bad. <laughs> Anybody I talk to that I'm like, dude, look at a map and like tell me where you would go. And they're like, dude, yeah. your area sucks. Your area is trash. Right. But anyway, uh, there's there's some ponds. A lot of the ponds, though, are like, uh, you know, it's not like it used to be where you can just go walk up to any pond. Like you go somewhere and they're going to chase you off or they're going to say it's yeah. a liability or yada, 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 whatever. But uh, a lot of the bodies of water that we do hit with our kayaks or like state game lands and stuff like that, or uh, we do go to some small, smaller lakes, uh, reservoirs, things of that nature. Um, there are lakes, but a lot of the lakes aren't even that well known for producing. There are a few that are good, mm -hmm. like uh, Lake Wilhelm. It has a bun bunch of shad, heavy shad population there. Uh, so there's some good fish, and we've caught decent ones out of there. But uh, that's a place where it'd be nice to have a, a legit bass boat because you got to cover a lot of water. The water's yeah. not deep, but in a kayak or a crawdad, which is what we've been limited to so far, you got to pick a launch point and you know fish within a certain area of that launch, and you know picking that apart, and figuring it out takes time. Yeah, and. Uh, so you just, you'd mentioned crawdad and I know I've had some guys on that have talked about it before, dude. I, so everybody kind of 
says California, you know, invented swim bait fishing and stuff like that. But I will say, I think like the Northeast guys, especially like the mass guys and stuff like that, like, I feel like they're the ones who kind of put it on the map and have like recently really taken it over. I mean, like all you guys go out in these little two person plastic dinghies out at night and just absolutely slap the piss out of these fish. You guys are catching wake bait fish in like, you know, March, like early, early in the like spring, I guess late winter. And it's just like, whoa, like a lot, you see a lot of big fish come out of mass, like in the last, you know, seven years, probably like, it's just absolutely crazy what the fishery out there is like when it, when it's producing and when guys are on fish, they are on fish. It seems like. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And that actually, uh, is kind of interesting because a lot of people that I've talked to in Massachusetts, a lot of people make assumptions about people uh geographically you know like oh that guy's in this state so he's got good fishing or whatever like you don't know what part of the state he lives in and he might not actually have any good fishing near him or hasn't figured out the right spots to be at um but somebody made a comment one time because i was saying how the fishing's really rough here and you gotta basically time it up with storms and yada 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 and they're like well you're south of mass what do you mean <laughs> like it's better fishing the further south you go <laughs> like, yeah. no it ain't like that dude like you could be further south and it'd be somewhere that sucks but generally speaking the further south you go it's warmer and there's a better uh grow season for the bass to get bigger you know and but a lot of it has to do with the forage you know you could be in bodies of water that they don't have good forage or there's like uh, we have a lot of places where there's tons of amish people <laughs> they they keep everything that they catch. They're picking yeah. the place out. And we don't have any kind of fishing program where they're going into these random bodies of water at the state game lands and, and dumping fish in. So, you know, over time, it's getting picked over and picked over and picked over. But those big, smart ones know where they're not going to get uh, caught, you know, or they've been yeah. caught before. They've seen their buddies caught and they've figured it out and they don't go there. So I Dude. think that's one. We have... Uh, I think a lot of our fish relate deep, and uh, two reasons is, A, a lot of bank fishing pressure at the, at the spots where, uh, you know, either there's Amish people or we have places where they, the local lakes, they stock trout, because that's the main thing around here is go get a trout license and go and catch stock trout. Yeah. And uh, so I think those big bass know, all right, I'm not going up shallow to spawn. Or they spawn a little bit deeper. Or mm-hmm. they, they just relate to the deeper water because of the bank pressure, but also because our weather's crazy. Our weather is a lot less stable, even than New England. New England, they'll get really, really cold winter, and it stays cold for all that time, and then it gets warm, and, you know, they still have storms and a little bit of temperature swings here and there like we do, but ours is, like, all over the place. We'll have 70 and 30 in the same day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the same <laughs> the same week, it'll be 75 for a whole week, and then it's 30 for the whole next week. It's freaking crazy. Yeah, dude. So I, I think that those fish relate to deeper water because it's more stable is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and I want to add, um, since there shouldn't be any repercussions from this statement as far as the statement I'm going to b- make about the Amish, But if you guys, like, so I used to live in an area, like, my parents and where I grew up, uh, for some reason, like, a lot of Amish people have moved there in the last, like, handful of years. And I will say, they give, like, from my experience, you know, if you guys are friends with Amish, maybe you know otherwise, but, like, 
they generally do not give a shit about the laws, like the wild fish and game laws. Dude, I know the Amish, like around my area up at home, dude, they would shoot, you know, 25, 30 deer a year, never buy a deer license, anything. I know a couple ponds. Yeah. I know a couple ponds. They just completely fished out and it's just like, whoa, like you guys, I obviously they're doing that to like, you know, survive winter and shit, but it's just like, wow, you guys just do not give a single shit. Do you? It's, it's crazy. It's so, so wild and so bizarre. Yeah, we we run into that pretty often. You'll pull up to a spot, and they even got kayaks and stuff. They'll go out in their kayaks and fish and bring back and put their kayaks back on top of their little cart with their horse tied up to the post. Dude, have you, have you seen get the all their stuff loaded up and then take off. <laughs> have you seen the pictures of the horse and buggies back and down trailers with no motor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that shit makes me laugh. So... You guys are pretty limited with the water that you do have, and you had kind of said that like the water with big fish is kind of far, far in between, like as far as like finding them and stuff. Have how were you like? Was it just a lot of trial and error for you to find fishy water? Like when you got into swim bait fishing, like stuff that was worth fishing that you knew there was maybe you know a three pounder that was going to eat your stuff or was it just more of like you were going every single water where you could think of and just casting and just waiting to run into a fish somewhere i've done uh both so some a lot of my uh successes come through connections that i've made through swim bait universe like meeting marty i have another name a buddy named russell johnson uh he's a very experienced kayak angler and fishes and you know legit kayak tournaments win stuff all over pa he's done the Bassmaster classic for kayak and stuff like that and he actually saw me posted on there my goal not too long ago this is probably five years ago i was saying my goal for the year is to catch a single bass over five pounds and uh he was he saw that i was posting that and i was going out there and i was posting threes and fours all the time and fishing swim baits and was going hard and uh he just hit me up like Hey, send me a message and uh, you help me get some baits or something like that. I'll, I'll help you get some fish. And he was just messing around, but we developed a good relationship and he's uh, become a very good friend of mine. But he's been like, here, this place and this place are places that you need to spend time. And this place over here is good. And uh, gone with me to check out other places that have good potential. Or maybe he's never caught anything or he knew somebody that did catch something there. Yeah. And, you know, that, oh, there are good fish that exist here. This is a place where you know, it's not a waste of time. And I know it for a fact, you know, stuff like that. And then Marty, uh, he grew up north of this area. So uh, he's got spots that are up that way that he grew up fishing as a kid. Like, oh yeah, I know there's good ones in here. I never caught anything over, you know, whatever big growing up. Cause he was, you know, fishing conventional or mm-hmm. fishing from the bank mostly. But he's like, yeah, these are good spots and go out there. But pretty much anywhere, it's a grind, man. Even the spots that are good spots, like that yeah. just means that if you spend enough time there, you'll eventually stumble into probably mm-hmm. a five or a six pounder. But that's what a good fish is for us is a five or a six pounder. We get an occasional seven and we're really stoked. I've got one seven ever here. Marty's got five now, I think. Oh. Yeah. Dude, I saw my first seven pounder come out of lake st Clair a couple weeks ago 
and dude, I saw that fish come up and I knew right away it was a seven pounder and it got in the boat. Uh, they had netted it and I was just looking at it and I'm like, wow, like that fish, it's a massive fish, you know, seeing handfuls, catching handfuls of fives and stuff. And then seeing a fish just trump, trump my PB by a pound and some change. It's just like, whoa, that thing is massive, dude. It made, it made the dark sleeper eight look just absolutely tiny. And I'm like, wow. I I was like, I don't know how, you know, fishing in a super populated area, swim baits kind of uh, feel like not necessarily cheat code, but it's definitely like a one up, you know, these fish have not seen a forage bait like this. And I was just looking at that fish and I'm like, I know I've seen fish that big and how the hell have I not lucked into like catching one or just tricking one to eat, you know, just getting one prong of my trouble hook and landing. I'm just like, damn, dude, that is just an absolute massive fish. You're fishing too fast all the time. I am. Yeah. That's just straight up all it is. Just fishing too fast. And that's, that's the biggest thing I've ever learned fishing, uh, on a live scope is whenever you can actually see your bait and you go, damn, like I need to really slow down. And then you fish without a live scope and you kind of forget that. And you know, you're trying to cover water and make cast or whatever. Like, Oh, this spot looks juicy. And you yeah. hit three different angles on it or whatever. But did you get it down to the right zone and then mm-hmm. keep it down there and give it a little work and think if, if there was a bass fall on it, what would the bait be doing if it was actually a real yeah. bait, you know? I've seen I a lot think... of stuff like that. Like somebody made a comment, do you see Carlton's cast to catch where or he missed one on like a shad glide? I forget what it was, but he was fishing it really fast and a big one came up like at the last second Ooh, and was yeah. following it and he was still going fast with it and they took a swipe and got on for a second and then got right off mm-hmm. and somebody commented on there like oh you need to slow it down and kill it and he said have you ever seen a rabbit slow down when it was being chased by a coyote or something to that effect <laughs> you know and that resonated with me a lot you know because my my instinct if i see a follower is to kill it but i haven't gotten a lot of hits killing the bait i mean i've gotten some yeah. but a lot of times they kiss it. They don't like attack it. They mm-hmm. got that time to inspect it, and they're sitting there looking at it. And yeah, they could get a hook, but if they do get a hook, they get one point sometimes. Or yeah, I don't know. Our fish seem like they're very. Uh, they're not aggressive. I fish in New England. The fish there are a lot more aggressive. Well, New Hampshire specifically. I've right. Gone bass yeah. fishing from Massachusetts, but New Hampshire there were a lot more aggressive and like you hold the fish once you land them and they're like going nuts every single time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but like personally from what I've experienced, like growing up fishing Lake Michigan and, and being able, I'm going to say the word study, even though that's definitely not the word I'm going for, but like being able to watch these fish following these like 10, 11 inch glide baits. And I always feel like, there's something that just triggers them if it just rips past them and they come up and chase that thing that's they're like, oh, this thing's running away. Like, this is fun. I'm going to catch this thing. You know, I'm going to pin it up against the pier head or some rip and wrap and stuff. And I almost feel like if you, if like, I, I picked up a mother recently and that's really helped me to slow down fishing and I've gotten a bunch of followers and stuff. But I like, I just have no confidence. I feel like those fish that maybe they're smart, maybe they're not, I don't know, put your own interpretation on it, but they just, they see this bait and they're just following this slow slalom glide, just watching behind it. And I like deep down on my conscience, they're just, I'm just like, these fish are looking at this thing and they're like, Oh, 
that thing doesn't look real. And then they just turn around and swim away. So I, I think the the pain of it is being able to see fish and and kind of feel like you have to start catering into your catering your glide bait into a bite. And maybe it's a downfall. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I I have no no confidence in dirty water. I've only fished dirty water like a handful of times, so I I don't really know what the other side of the coin is. I guess. I caught most of my fish in dirty water. It's kind of funny because uh, somebody while we were in Texas asked us like, "Oh, do you fish mostly dirty water or clear water?" And I said dirty, and Marty was like, "Clear." At the same time, <laughs> we looked at each other, and I was like, "I was like, I don't think you understand what clear water is." But uh, we do have some spots that have decently clear water, but like our clear water visibility is like a handful of feet it's not like oh, uh, you're yeah. seeing the bottom and seven foot you know that's oh, clear water to me dude, you know? it's like like spots i'm fishing up at home it's like 30 foot of visibility like you're looking right. you're looking that's at rock clear piles. water exactly yeah, yeah. yeah you're looking at rock it, piles and you're watching lake trout chase around gobies and stuff down there and it's just like it's it's so breathtaking and i just everybody's always like oh i hate fishing clear water and i'm like if you got clear water dude bang my line i'll come fish that shit right now <laughs> Yeah, I know dudes that have broken off baits and their water was clear enough that they just went out there with a kayak or whatever and kept looking down they're like, oh, I see the color down there. And they yeah. Yeah, dove down the 15, 20 feet or whatever it was and got it real quick. Damn, dude. Piss on that. That's that's scary. Like, I don't know. I've, I've casted off more baits than I'd like to admit, but I've never, I've never, I've swam for one and that was probably pretty pretty stupid to swim across the river in like october but i got it back and after that i'm like i am never swimming after another fucking bait i'll just buy another one i do not care i've been swimming mad times and now that i'm older and a little bit wiser and i think having two kids uh gives you a different perspective on things i don't yeah. think i want to go swimming i actually went swimming probably two years ago for an s2 i casted it out there and it was like a really really slow sinker and I dicked around on my phone for too long while I was letting it get down. And then whenever I went to retrieve and it was stuck on something. And I dove down there and it was stuck to like a piece of cloth or something. And luckily it ripped right free. But I was like, after I got back up with it and everything was cool, I like reflected on the moment. And I was like, that was an extremely dumb decision. And so much stuff could have went wrong. Like I'm by myself. That cloth could have not come free. I could have jerked and a hook went into my hand and the cloth didn't yeah. come free. And then I'm pinned to the cloth now underwater. You know, there's oh. so much stuff that can go wrong that ain't worth a couple hundred bucks or whatever you think is going through your head at that moment whenever you're diving down for the bait. Like, oh, I can't get this again or it's worth x amount of money or yeah you know it, it all that stuff is not worth your life it's not you know you think about it in the moment but it's it's all material bs yeah dude i mean you you saying that after going after like an s2 it it should give guys perspective it's like okay it's probably really not worth it if i had to guess like it, especially like Dirty water. There's so many things that you can try first that if you think about it and take your time and like collect yourself, because that's the biggest thing too, is like after that happens, you're kind of adrenaline's rushing. You're like, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. But and yeah, you can go and try real quick if like it's sinking slow and you you know jet over to it and try to scoop it with a net or whatever, even if you you know throw your shirt off and jump in trying to get it while it's sinking down. That's one thing. You get a hook in the hand and coming back up you know that's something you can deal with but 
when your bait and, is down at the bottom or you're not yeah. quite sure exactly where it is or you see it and you think you can go get it like go get a pole go get magnets try 10 and 10 million other things but give yourself some time to think about it and think it through <laughs> yeah collect your thoughts I tell people that all the time because people get uh, all jazzed up catching a big fish and then they're screwing up their weigh-in videos and stuff like that. And I'm like, best thing you can do is have a net, have a donkey leash, you know, let know that the fish is going to be okay and that you don't have to rush to get it back in the water because you already have it in the water in some manner. And gather yourself, calm down, be like, all right, fuck yeah, I just got a big fish. Yeah. Yeah. All that all that work was worth it. Fuck yeah, you know. Give yourself that couple of minutes to chill out and get the get that uh hype out of you a little bit and then go, all right, time to handle business. Now you do your way in video and you got a yeah. clear mind and you do all your steps and you don't screw up and make some goof that you're then like, Oh no, because that's the number one thing <laughs> I hate is whenever people get a big fish and then they're all stoked on it and then they got a goof in their video and it gets DQ'd in some tournament and then all of a sudden they're not stoked on their big fish that they caught anymore because that's the exact opposite of what you're supposed to be doing it for. Yeah, I I don't know what it is, but I feel like hmm, swim bait guys, and I'm I'm totally uh, a part of this like. You get hyped, you just get so hyped up, and you not necessarily lose your cool, but you just go on autopilot mode, you know, whatever it may be. Like, you know, you catch catch a super big fish, and you get a measurement of it on your board, and then you throw it back, and you're like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot to get a weight on it, or, you know, other way around. Or you yeah, didn't or like your your PB and you're like talking about how fat it was, and then you're like, I didn't get a girth. I didn't even take the time to put yeah. a piece of line around it and snip it you know and stuff it in my pocket and measure it later you know like i've had a bunch of moments like that where you didn't have the presence of mind in the moment because you're too jacked up but that's also part of the fun of it too you know you're all jacked up in the moment it's kind of like whatever all that stuff doesn't matter too much this moment's what matters yeah and i was going to say this early when you're talking about fishing with guys and kind of exploring with guys i i enjoy fishing alone a lot but when you're there and you can just either embrace the suck with somebody or net their PB or they net your PB or you guys like share, you know, oh, I forgot to put the plug in. Oh, my gosh. You know, just whatever. Like, I feel like if you can share that with somebody, it's I'm not going to say it's a lot more fun, but I feel like it's more like memorable. Like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, somebody else went through that moment with me like they were there when I almost sunk my thousand or, you know, hundred thousand dollar bass boat or I netted their PB. Like that's something we're going to share forever. I feel like that's super cool. I don't get to fish with guys very often, but when I do, when I do, it always feels like it sticks out a little bit. Like when you're out and we walked, you know, three, four miles on the bank or, or, uh, you know, wading in the river and we caught two fish and you're just kind of there, both there, like embracing the suck. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> We're not fishing this stretch again. Like it's just it it means something. I feel like there's something goofy happens that day, and for some reason that sticks with you for the next yeah yeah twenty years. You know, like Somebody's some absolutely dumb bad. thing. It could be like a yeah. one liner that somebody said at some point. You know, it, it, it'll stick with you forever. Uh, but yeah, uh, I fish I fish alone quite a bit, but I, I try to get out with buddies. I like going with people. And I actually think that it's probably to a detriment because, like I said, most of the time we're grinding for one bite. 
and that's the bite you're going to get. You won't ever see a post from me or Marty or anything like that where it's like, ah, oh, epic night. We got six three-pounders, four four-pounders, two five-pounders, and we topped it off with Marty's PB. <laughs> you know, you will never yeah. see that post. Never once. We don't have a single spot where we can even go and show up and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to catch a bunch of one- and two-pounders and hope to catch a big one. You know, it's most yeah. the, most every spot is you're grinding, grinding, grinding hours, days, one bite, and it's mostly weather based. So, yeah, um, Marty's really good about that. He tracks all that shit. He knows. He <laughs> looks up the radar and stuff and sees, oh, the storm's heading to the north. I'm gonna go up there and I'm gonna be there and it should. It's supposed to roll in at this time and I'm gonna be there for there this bite window and. I got that one bite. Oh yeah, I got that one bite. You know, <laughs> but there's a lot of days where he doesn't get that one bite. He put in all that effort and get rained on and drive two hours to get to a spot and go there for six hours, just get mentally and physically wiped and nothing doing. You know? Yeah, dude. It's what was I gonna say? Um. Oh, I I didn't. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. Swim bait fishing in the north, like in the Midwest, in the northern mist- Midwest, like I don't know what it is. Our fish are just so jacked up and just want to eat so bad. Maybe because they only have such a limited time to feed before winter again. But like, I'm not gonna say it's easy, but it's definitely not hard. It's not a crazy grind like out in California or Texas, or, you know, wherever. And I'll say I took my fishing for granted when I used to live on a super good fishery, like Lake Michigan up at home. And I moved down into like kind of the middle of the state. I got a, a, a river, quote unquote, a river. It's more of like a stream or a creek. Um, and like, you know, I talk about how fun the smallmouth are. They're a lot of fun. But I mean, the biggest fish in here is probably five pounds. There's probably like three of them in a 20 mile stretch. And it's like I go out there sometimes like I was just fishing a 250 today. And it's just like, wow, why did I move down here? Like, I could have just stayed at home and just hammered fish throughout the whole spring, summer, and fall. But yet here I am fishing for like a two and a half pound smallmouth, and I'll be happy if I catch that. Like, I really, I just, I cannot wait to get back home, man. It's, it's so crazy. And like, fishing in Texas was kind of the same way. Like, I didn't catch, maybe I caught one fish, but down there it was more of like, oh my gosh, I could, I could catch a 13 pounder on this cast. And that's kind of what kept me going. Here it's like, fuck. I don't know if I'm gonna catch anything today. <laughs> I really don't know if there's any big, big enough fish around here to eat, or if there's even any fish here at all right now. It was very interesting timing for us actually, because it got randomly 75 degrees with like yeah, a low of 50, low of 50 for the entire time that we were there. So whenever we came back, there were tons of beds all over, and we we're like, fuck, man, we kind of missed a good opportunity to catch some of our big fish of the year right now yeah. as they were pushing up and doing their, you know, getting ready to do their thing. And some of them were on beds. We don't sit there and fuck with fish on beds. Yeah. Dude. You know, I'll run a gill bait over the shallows or I'll go out at night with a triple double and run that shit right up on the bank. And yeah, there'll be something that, you know, had their bed set up and, you know, they just blow up on it because they're pissed that it's in their zone. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Saturday, what? How hot was it down there that Saturday during the show? Like, dude, it was pretty warm, like eighty-seven, maybe ninety, whatever. It was like 
it was only a couple degrees warmer up here in like the middle of April. There was there was kids I know that were catching fish on frogs in April in Michigan, in northern Michigan, like up towards the tip by the bridge, like Mackinac Bridge, which is absolutely insane. Everybody was talking about how the crappie and the bass were moving up and fanning beds already. And then yeah, we were seeing all kinds of posts of people catching yeah, fish in the dude. Northeast and we're like, damn, we needed to be back home. And, and then we're in yeah. Texas, like trying to figure out this giant lake for the everybody's reporting that it's tough fishing, but there were people yeah. coming back, you know, Oh, I caught a seven or a six. I caught an eight, you know, but it'd be like one fish. It wasn't like mm-hmm. anybody coming back like, Oh yeah, we figured them out. They were like, on wood and yeah. they were sitting at this depth or whatever. It just seemed like, the fish were in different stages because we talked to people down there and they said the weather had been kind of crazy there too. It got real warm and cold and warm. So different fish were in different stages, I'm sure. Yeah, dude, we got back that Monday and when we landed, it was, it was blizzarding. It was like 20, 20, 23, 26 degrees or something. And it was just piss pounding snow and it was like 30 mile an hour winds. And those fish just like went into shock, dude. They just dumped right back down into the into the deep end of the lake, and then it's just been like you said. It, and it's kind of interesting because the last two years, it seems like the whole country, at least like the Midwest over the East Coast, has all been pretty relatively the same. Like we'll all have we'll have like a super warm period for like three days, and then it's like boom, a week and a half of just absolute brutal cold, or you know, like right now, like at night, dude, it's dropping down to like the low forties. And so these fish will push up and kind of start to fan beds or start to roam around looking for beds. And then, you know, they shoot back down at seven o'clock at night. Cause it starts to get cold. Then it just is a repeat process. So there's fish that have spawned and there's fish that just don't even know what the hell's going on right now. And it sounds like it's kind of the same thing for you guys, or at least it was. I think it's all relative to, where you're at and the specific body of water you know like the some of these places that i'm talking about uh that are out in state game lands and stuff some of them are you know maybe max six foot deep but they're big and long or something like that so that water's going to warm up a lot faster and then other ones they get 25 foot deep and they're just shaped like a big bowl you know it's just like weeds all over the edge and there's no (laughs) structure or anything like that you got to target like the one depth change there is, <laughs> you know, there'll be like a big bowl and then there's like a hole kind of next to it. And that one depth change that there is, is like, all right, maybe they're stacked up on there or I'm going to fish around this edge. You know, there's not a whole bunch of stuff to be like, Oh, well they're on this lay down or they're uh, on this elevation change or they're on this ledge or no, it's just a big grass bowl. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's how so, all our lakes are, unfortunately. And it really comes down to the weather, and that was going to be kind of the next thing I asked you. Is uh, you'd said Marty is like super big on the weather and writing all this stuff down. What like your bet, your guys' best year, or just you in general? What did it set up like? Like was it a, a cool spring that kind of transitioned into a medium, like a a seventies summer, and then you know kind of a cool fall, or what? What's like a good season look like for you guys? Where where you're catching fish, catching numbers, and then catching good fish too. It seemed like both last year and this year, uh, the spawn happened quick for the most part at most of our places. And it didn't have a long transition period. Like it was cold, cold, cold. And then, like I said, got real hot for an extended period of time. And they're like, all right, it's go time, especially the shallower spots. Like 
it warmed up enough to be like, all right, it's go time, and came up, did their thing, and then started to find them. But in years past, we've had times where you could pull up to spots for a week and a half, two weeks, and see fish on beds and, and be able to specifically see, like, oh, there's a big one locked right here. You know? Yeah. And we haven't seen that the past two years. We just see empty beds, and then you might see, uh, I didn't even see this year, really, male's garden, but last year it was just like tons of just dink males. If you're catching anything, you might catch six, seven fish in a day, but they were all half pounders, just like the most disgusting little dinks ever. <laughs> but they'd yeah, be super aggressive guarding that bed. Right. It, it seemed... so The ones that it lined up better, I'd say it was a, a more of a transition, not like cold, 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 and then it got hot real quick. It, if it gradually warmed up and we had a nice spring then that's whenever it set up a lot better it it seemed like last year was a notorious shitty year for everybody across the country it seemed like people like, i don't know like matt wilson got a dd down in west virginia and yeah yeah that's that's a freaking unicorn down there and and uh, I, and then he caught a bunch of sixes too he he caught a lot of nice six pounders as well. Uh, so, was it was it super dry by you guys last year? Like, was your water super low? Um, yes, our water was pretty low last year, and this winter was not harsh at all, which was interesting. Um, so none of our vegetation ever completely died off. So I've noticed a lot of our murky spots are a lot clearer this year. Uh, and then the clear spots are even more clear because those weeds didn't fully die off. And I think that they're filtering the water more and there's more oxygen in the water or whatever the case may be. But I think that the vegetation has something to do with it because it, aside from around Christmas, we got a random couple of days where it got negative 20 degrees with the wind chill. Uh-huh. That's like insane cold. And, uh, but aside from that couple of days, it was a pretty mild winter for the most part. We didn't even have, like, I didn't take my kids sledding one time. I bought them a sled for Christmas and, <laughs> and didn't take them sledding one time. We didn't have any snow. I got to take them tubing, I guess, it's like that place that makes snow. But Damn, dude. And have you, so this, this, or this current winter, or this last winter, I should say, have you noticed already this year that maybe the fish seem to be bigger like do you think they kind of actively fed more so this winter than they would tend to like during a cold brutal normal winter for you guys or have you not been able to tell yet i haven't been able to tell yet because i mean we haven't been catching much and i haven't been fishing a ton uh, but buddies of mine that are fishing even more frequently they're not catching a ton of fish so it hasn't seemed like uh they're getting bigger fish or there's more of them that are active and they've been feeding or anything like that. Uh, I think it's just our weather all the time is weird. So the fish were probably like, Oh, well here it is again. Fucky weather. Yeah. <laughs> more of the same, but we have a lot of mild winters. Like I've, we have times where there's ice on the lake uh, in patches for a couple of weeks and then it melts and then, it's real cold for two three weeks so like uh like i've never iced fish here i've i've iced fished whenever i was i went to boxborough one year mm-hmm. there, Josephson and buddy travis and uh 
I ice fish there to get the experience because I had never done it. But people yeah. do ice fish here, but it's like I said, so mild of winters that you gotta know what you're doing or be far enough north that yeah, it is frozen and solid, and you know that you can go out there. But there's still stories of people dying to go out there. It's like it's sketchy. It's yeah, we don't dude. get like oh seven inches of ice that just stays there for months. That's yeah, not gonna happen here. And, it has, and in, in years past, there are random winters where, like, people, there's stories of people back in the day in Pittsburgh walking across the river to go to work in downtown Pittsburgh. Oh, <laughs> damn, dude. And I'll say, like, even here, it it was pretty tame. I mean, low 30s. I only ice fished once this year. Like, there was only, like, maybe two or three weeks of safe ice, which is absolutely unheard of. Like, usually you're able to fish from, like, Christmas till around like january march you know beginning of march middle of march no dude like you were able to ice fish like once in february and even then it was kind of kind of sketchy and i feel like our fish a lot of my friends and people that i've seen like on facebook and stuff on the on the local like michigan bass pages i feel like are catching a lot more big fish i'm seeing a lot more big fish this year than i have in previous years so maybe those fish were kind of able to actively feed and stuff throughout the winter i don't know i'm not a biologist that's just kind of what i've determined or maybe everybody just got super good at bass fishing and i'm just stuck in the past i don't know <laughs> i think it's di- i think just the stuff sets up different year to year yeah and uh some years you've what you're doing or what your go-to baits are happen to be more successful and uh, what areas you tend to fish. You know, some Mm -hmm. people like to go out and find bait out deep and find schools of bait and set up on that. Other guys roam around the banks all the time. You know what I mean? And pick apart cover and like to hit laydowns and find uh, chunk rock to grass or different transitions and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, Oh, this guy killed it this year. Well, the fish were relating more to what he targets and the style mm-hmm. of baits that he fishes, you know. And that's just the way it kind of set up that year. Yeah. And speaking of of styles, uh, style of fishing and, and what baits and stuff. So you talked about, you know, getting into it and fishing the the Savage Gear bait and stuff. And then how did how did it kind of change to where you're at now? Like did you start off uh, you know, fishing did you say it was a soft bait that you had started with? Uh, yeah, it was just this little Savage Gear gill that has oh, the yeah, jig yeah. hook on the top and then had a little treble hook on the bottom. Yeah. And you just, like, tuck it up into the into the belly or whatever. And, so uh, after that... But, yeah, I, then, I like I said, I jumped on uh, Swimbait Underground. Yeah. And, I actually, I just Googled, like, Swimbait Forums. I was like, that's just what came into my head of uh, how are you going to find out more about this thing that you're interested in, you know? Yeah. And then I stumbled across that and made an account and people are posting baits constantly, especially back then. It's, it's way different now. I mean, and I'm only talking five, six years ago. It's so different now. It's, it's kind of crazy whenever I talk to people because I, I talk to people that are you know new to swim baits or that are trying to get their first piz or their first high end, this or that or anything, you know? They'll yeah. re- reach out to me or I stumble across something that they posted and I might reach out to them and talk to them. It's crazy because it's just a different world now than it was just even a couple of years ago. But anyway, back then, 
you could buy all day long. Like, oh yeah, this is approved bait, and see catches of it. Like I was saying, people on Instagram with like shellcracker G2s, I'd be buying that or. Uh, oh, HUD, that's a staple bait. I got to get some HUDs or whatever. So then I was just buying stuff like that. And then uh, actually one bait that really turned me on to the high-end stuff was the tater hog. Uh, I bought a little angry because I kept seeing the tater hogs and I thought they looked sweet. And I just liked the look of them. And, you know, because a lot of this is like, ooh, that looks cool. <laughs> I want that. You know, yeah. it's a little bit of uh, like functional art. I, I tell people all the time, there's a ton of people in swim baits that are former skateboarders and former uh, stoners or current stoners and stuff like that. And I think that a big draw to it is the functional art aspect, like how people sell high-end bongs for thousands of dollars on, you know, Instagram and this, that, or the other thing. And they've got head shops and stuff like that. And there's artists that have their own style. And, you know, it's functional art. You can smoke out of it. Oh, I can use get high but it's yeah, yeah also a decorative piece in my living room too and it's you know something to talk about it's the same thing with the high-end baits it's like dang this thing's a work of art and i can also make a sick-ass memory with it and you know have a moment that i'll never forget so i think that's a little bit of the draw but uh the tater hogs i thought they were sick but i, I kept seeing the prices of them and they're even more expensive now than they were back then but i was like Thanks, Chris. Aldean. Like I said, I was getting more. Uh, well, I, I don't even think it's Zaldane. I think it's just the general market general, keep yeah. popping up, and and they've got no proven baits, no experience, and they're producing stuff and charging 150 bucks, and people buy them out the wazoo. So then yeah. people that are established see that stuff, and they go, "Dang, why the hell am I charging 150 bucks? I've been in the game for X amount of years, and I got Chris Zaldane fishing my stuff, and he's <laughs> got it all all over, you know." But uh, Matt's always had a little bit higher prices because he's he's a fisherman and he's like, I don't want to be building baits if I don't have to. I want to be out there fishing. So if I'm going to build a bait, I want it to be worth my damn time. Yeah. So right. I've kind of I kind of liked his approach. He's always been really cool. But anyway, whenever I saw the prices of those, because I, I like I said, I was buying shellcracker G2s and HUDs and stuff that was in the thirty, forty, you know, maybe a fifty dollar bait. I had gotten uh, actually i got like a ufo that was before they blew up it was 85 bucks <laughs> and he, he mailed me that shit before i even paid and i was like blown away like man this is crazy this community yeah. is rad and uh and like a donut for like 100 bucks or something like that you know and then his stuff was all 150 185 225 something mm -hmm. like that so uh but somebody posted a bait called a little angry for I think it was like 85 or 90 bucks. And that was the first tater hog I ever saw for under 100 bucks. So I scooped it up because I was interested, like I said. And I get it in the mail and I open it up. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah, this yeah. is the bait that was $110 retail or whatever. Because it's dinky. They're really, they're, they're small. Like, is that the little like crankbait looking one? No, no, it's a floating glide. That's a, oh, that's sure. a gill. Um, but the little angry, so he's got three different ones. He's got the little angry, the angry Gil Jr. And then the angry Gil senior and the angry Gil Jr. Is more like the size of a runt or, um, Lanciati Gil or something like that. And not yeah. that thick, but you know, that, that size. And then the little angry though is like, 
probably about the size of like a HUD gill, maybe a little bit smaller than that. So it's real small. But I got that in and I was like, this is what costs all that money. Like this, this thing's so tiny. I wasn't even going to throw it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I ran, like I was going to immediately sell it. Cause I was like, <laughs> Oh, I got this for 85 bucks. And that was half of how you were, I was getting any baits. Like I said, people are selling their used stuff all the time and you'd go on there and be like, all right, like this guy's selling this bait for 40 bucks and they're actually worth 85 and then try it out for a little bit and, collect baits did like i was getting every bait under the sun because i wanted to know everything about them i wanted to see how they worked what they did why did people catch on this is this going to work for me is this how does this one function how does that one function blah blah blah. but uh anyway and i was going to just sell it be like oh whatever i'll recoup my money and make 10 bucks buy more buy a different bait and try something else out and i hadn't even fished it yet but just looking at it i was like this thing's so dinky and like no way and then i randomly grabbed it as i was walking out the door i remember it like so vivid like it was sitting there on top of the because i just opened it out of the mail and it was sitting over by my baits on top of something and then i was getting my stuff together to walk out the door to go fishing and, and i grabbed it at the last second and then i fucking had an epic day with it i tied it on and i just crushed it like how i just told you you'll never see a post from me that says yeah. like oh i caught threes and fours and five that was the one time ever in Pittsburgh that I've had a day like that. I was on the Little Angry bank fishing. And I caught like three and a half, another three and a half, a four, and another bigger four. And then I caught my PB at the time, which was my first. Or Actually, I'd caught a five-pounder just a few nights before in a whopper plopper. I randomly cheated on swim baits for like 20 minutes and threw a whopper plopper. Oh, and wow. I caught my first ever five-pounder. <laughs> this is when I was like... 100% swim baits, basically. But I was like, oh, man, I should throw a whopper plopper. I don't know why. It's just like, and then I stuck a five-pounder. But anyway, a week later, I had this day with the Little Angry, and uh, I caught, it was like 5.36, because at that time I had a scale that didn't do pounds and ounces. It was all, you know, the decimals. And it was like a 5.36. And I was just like, oh, man, this is fucking epic. And then the next day, I went back to the same spot. I got on the same bite with the same bait, and the second fish broke me off. Oh! And I was just like heartbroken, dude. I didn't have another one. I had just gotten that. I unlocked my juice all of a sudden, and I I tried all kinds of other baits. Not another thing was getting touched. I think I caught one dink on a, a what were those big feast baits? He used to do he, that guy that's not around anymore, but name sounds caught super one on that. familiar. Yeah, they were like the simple little two piece wake. It looked mm. kind of like a toxic wake and crank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I caught one on that, but it was a dink. Anyway, I couldn't get anything to hit it. And I actually messaged Matt, like telling him, like, oh my God, I just had an incredible experience with your bait. And then I was on the same bite the next day. I need another one. And he was like, well, you should buy it through this tackle shop because they probably already have them in stock and you'll get it to you sooner. Um, but if you order it through my website, like I'll make you one and you'll get it soon. And I just ordered it through his website and he made one for me. And he's, I developed a relationship with him ever since then. And he's taken care of me. Like I had a time I lost a whole bunch of baits because I left a backpack full of baits at a pond. Like I took one box out and I was walking around fishing. And then I was like, all right, I'll see you later, dude. And I just put my rod in my box that I had in my hands in the car and then 
drove away and didn't realize for two days. Oh fuck! My backpack with all my other baits was sitting on that bench. Yeah. And I had man. another one of those, like a tater hog, little angry. Like I said, it's my juice. So I hit him up, like, oh man, I fucking lost another one being a dumbass. <laughs> were you, he hooked were me you up, ready? gave me a good price, and mailed it right out. Hell yeah! Were you ready to shell out two hundred dollars on underground if you needed to to find another one? Like if he if he was done making, were you ready to to drop some money on one after you had that crazy good day with one? Well, you know, like uh, everything happens for a reason. So I ended up getting back almost all of the baits. Like I remembered pretty good of what I lost, and I listed them on underground. And then I developed really good relationships with uh, like Rick Espinoza. He's one of my really good buddies now and i've talked to him for years because of that like he was like ah oh, i got this bait this bait this bait this bait and and like i had a roll-up travel board in the backpack and he had one of those and hooked me up for like a really really good deal like that sucks that it happened to you and hooked me up with a great deal and sent me all these baits and stuff and then we've been buddies ever since and talk all the time and uh so and then like a couple other people through the community helped me replace certain things and it ended up not being that bad at all you know it was material stuff and then i ended up gaining a bunch of friends out of it <laughs> yeah win-win can't can't complain about that at all yeah it sucked though whenever i realized it because i was not close to my house at the place where i lost the stuff and then i realized it when i went fishing somewhere that was half hour the opposite direction uh and I went to get out, and I went to grab my baits, and I was like, where's my backpack? Yeah, and then it all And then the light bulb away. went off. Oh, fuck. And I immediately drove, like, two and a half hours up the other way looking for it, just praying. Oh, I'd be sitting God. on that bench still, and it wasn't there. Damn, dude. That's, that's great. And nobody ever posted them up or anything, did they? No, I contacted the local police. It was, like, at a park, too, and I, uh, they gave me some number of a guy that does maintenance of the park and contacted him Nah, he didn't find it but there was a gopro in there so what i think is just some kids were like oh sick a gopro and there's probably GoPro. all my nice baits sitting in their basement and they're like oh these stupid ass fishing lures i don't need these threw them away because <clears throat> i did check offer up and let go and all that stuff to see and i tried hitting up any because at that time there was nobody around yeah I mean, there still isn't really anybody around throwing swim baits in pittsburgh it's like me and marty and two or three other dudes but uh i did find one guy that was kind of up in that area that i saw on his instagram he was throwing a bunch of tiny clashes and i tried reaching out to him like hey if you see anybody posting this 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 or this let me know but nothing ever came of it and he left you on scene because he was the one that found it his son was the one that brought it to him <laughs> <laughs> oh man ah fuck what was i gonna say um oh crap something about that's how I got into the high-end baits was getting the getting the tater hog and oh. that kind of like opened the door like oh this stuff that's over a hundred bucks can be worth a damn and it is worth yeah you know trying out and uh and then you hold it in person too and you see the craftsmanship and stuff like he puts incredible work into his baits yeah and that's uh, what I was, that's and what then I, was I started get it just doing that so then the trade. The buy sell trade just kept progressing, you know. I went from yeah. buy sell trade twenty, thirty, forty dollar baits to buy sell trade fifty, sixty, seventy dollar baits to uh at that time toxic was super limited and mm -hmm. I remember I got my first waking crank from him and like a baby bass pattern. It was like, Oh, this is the sickest thing ever and somebody like tried to talk me out of it. I think I eventually <laughs> broke down like uh oh, I shouldn't have done this, then you regret it and you go and pick up another one years later. Yeah. Now that they're 
not hard to get, but that's a whole, like how I was talking earlier, talking to people that are just coming into swim baiting now, like trying to explain that toxic used to go for like hundreds of dollars and people hoarded them and like, don't know it (laughs) wanted just to have them, just to have them and stuff like that. You know, yeah, dude. What? What are you talking about? (laughs) Or like when you could buy a Hinkle for like $120 all day, every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, dude. I was going to say any number of things or like donuts used to be posted all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And now most people associate Lagrady with like a fritter, or uh, you know, because he's been pumping those out in the recent years. Yeah, he's been concentrating more on the smaller baits and the crank down and yeah. uh, things of that nature. Dude, I was gonna say I had an OG uh, Piz Carp disappear from in front of my door. Like package that it was delivered wasn't there. Like I was super excited because I was gonna give it away at the gathering at the Virginia gathering last year. And I was texting Paul. I'm like, oh, like, should I give this away or should I fish it? He's like, oh, you know, he's like, they sink kind of fast. I'm like, okay, well, I'll lose it, so I better just give it away. And so I was super excited. Came home on my lunch break. There's one box in front of my door. I was supposed to have two packages here. And I'm like, uh-oh. Open it up. I, I had the psycho trout I gave away, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Somebody either took it or it got lost, and it's never showed back up. Tried to file a claim, and USPS is like, oh, it says it was delivered. We can't do anything. Sorry. We'll sweep the machines and just never heard anything back. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so unfortunate. <laughs> with the insurance. I see people all the time shelling out tons of money, putting tons of insurance on stuff. Like they're trying to insure stuff for their waffle value or whatever. Somebody yeah. says it's worth in a trade and stuff like that. And it's like, you got to approve it from three different places to, <laughs> to get that money. It's got to be listed somewhere at that price. Like eBay's oh, one really? of them. So if you find it on eBay, there's one source, but. You got to find two other sources to be able to prove it, or you got to get the retail price. So there's spending all this money, know. and then they're going down a rabbit hole after a bait gets lost, trying to recoup seventy hundred bucks that they're not going to get. Damn, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that you had to prove it. That's that's interesting. Yeah, that's why guys are making posts like, "Why this guy did this and blah blah,", blah and I can't yeah, get yeah. the money back. I Most sent guys the cool app for some though. reason. He's not answering me. He blocked me after I sent him three hundred dollars in cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's more and more of that stuff. Dude, it's like it happens in waves, and like we're in the brink of a big wave of it right now. And it's just like Yeah, and like what I was just saying before, like it's not the same as it was five, six years ago. Like people aren't really buying like even if you're new to swim baits, you're like jumping right into like the high end stuff because nobody's yeah. really posting or buying any of the, the cheaper stuff or like the staple proven baits. Uh I think I think we would go a long way with people getting out and fishing the staple baits and posting it more to give some confidence to newer guys coming into the community you know we're always complaining about people not posting enough or there's nothing but buy sell trade and like we're getting money and possession driven instead of what the actual goal is which is catching giant bass and making great memories you know getting stoked yeah i will say if you guys are listening you're getting new guys hyped they got to get hyped on on stuff that they know is proven and works you know even if you're reposting fish that you caught six years ago that are on proven stuff that gets them into it and then you can show them oh yeah i also caught on this piz run i also caught on this yeah. shad. <laughs> now yeah. now that you're in now that you love the swim baits now you, yeah now you can d- drop the dough on the other stuff 
Dude, I remember. Explore, but you got to get them in and get them, get acquainted. people excited, you know, because people, yeah. I think a lot of the people that check out swim baits, they're like checking it out. And then maybe their impression is, oh, all this stuff is expensive and it's hard to get, or uh, they do get something that's expensive and then they go out and they fish it a handful of times and they don't catch anything. And then they're like, oh, that wasn't worth it, you know? And I think it was easier for people to get really into swim baits even just a handful of years ago because, like I said, you saw people. I was seeing guys like Jeremy and Jordan, and they're catching on donuts, and they're catching on Shellcracker G2, and uh, I'm catching on a Savage Gear, you know, stuff. Uh, the uh, Gantarels, Gantarel yeah, and Gantarel. You used to see tons of posts, Gantarel and Gantarel Jr., tons. Oh, yeah. bait's awesome, and they're they're not that expensive. They're not like dirt cheap, but they're, they're not super expensive. But normal. yeah, and it's a cool, unique bait, and it looks great. And they get bit, they they catch them like hell. Yeah, dude, that's what I was gonna say. Like, if you guys are listening, and you don't have any baits, or you want to look into getting baits, get yourself a Shine Glide, the, the normal size. Get yourself a normal size, or even a baby Gantrell, and then get like a Hud Gill. The Hud Gill can be like. What are those like twenty five bucks? So that could be like that, and the Gantrell could be your splurge bait. You know, you drop sixty dollars on two baits, and with those three baits, you can figure out like if like oh my fish react to swim baits, or this is a lot of fun, or you know you go out and fish for twenty minutes and you get bored, so you pick up a jig or a worm. Like those are three baits that you'll catch fish on. You'll learn, and you're like okay, like like Ross was saying, like oh like I've established that this you know this is effective, or you know this is fun, whatever whatever you're fishing for. And you're like, oh, now there's, you know, there's $100 baits out there. There's, you know, there's, there's just, I'm not going to try to name any names, but oh, there's, there's XYZ bait out there. And oh, okay. So that's why kind of why it goes for, for $200, $300 is because it fishes like this shine glide, but it's handmade and all this, dude. When, when I tell people like they'll see pictures of my baits or something, if we're friends, but not like fishing friends. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's a super big bait. Like, I bet you that was like, <laughs> that was really expensive. Like, I, I was at this, uh, at the place I hang out, and uh, we're sitting there, and I had the throwback Woody that I was showing him. And uh, I was like, oh, how much do you think this is? And he's like, oh, I don't know, probably like 15 bucks. He's like, that's what I usually see those, like that looking bait for at Cabela's. I'm like, no, no, dude, you're, you're off. And he's like, oh, by like 10, 15 bucks. I'm like, no, you're off by like tenfold. And <laughs> he's like, $150. I said, I will 200 realistically. And he's like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I'm like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy looking at it from the outside in, but I would say you're crazy if you drop, you know, $3,000 on a bicycle, but I know people who do that. And it's just kind of like, it's, if it's your niche and that's what you do and you know, you can justify it to yourself. Then what's it matter how much I paid for it? And that's just, I feel like when guys get into it, they're like, Oh my gosh, this bait's $600. I need it. I need it right now. I'm seeing these guys put in search of posts. That means I need it too. Every, everything is relative too, you know, like, especially with like even the starter baits, like you said, a shine glide and a HUD and whatever other one you mentioned. And I'm sitting here thinking like, I wouldn't suggest any of those three for my area because we have like, very, we have like two places that I know of that have shat and we have tons of gills and crappy. And yeah. I did try baits like that, that it was hard as hell. And then once I was sticking to the gill profiles, then you start catching more fish or you find the places that are appropriate to be fishing a shad profile. And then you start sticking more fish, you know, fi figuring out the forage that's in your area, looking up the biology reports, uh, 
I even know dudes that slay that they go out there and they have a, they got a cast net on their boat because they want to see what size is the bait that the that yeah. the fish are feeding on. You yeah. know, you can see it on your screen, but it's a little blip. You can't tell that it's exactly two inches or four inches or six inches or eight inches. You know what I mean? Like it's hard. Uh, so getting as much information as you can to apply the right tools is super important. I think. Yeah, I got into it like a super weird way and I just kind of got baits sent to me from a kid that I wrote a paper for in California and <laughs> he sent me a slammer and like some bait that I don't even know if the company's still around. It was like a four or five piece shad and it weighed a lot and I ended up trading that for a gantrell and I remember I caught so many fish on that gantrell and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is literally the bass fishing cheat code. Like, I could probably go pro with this bait. Like, I'm catching so many fish with it right now. <laughs> and then, uh, slay it on the Gantrell, the Shellcracker yeah. G2, and that little Savage Gear Gill from Dix. Those three baits, like, I would just put up all kinds of fish. And that's what really got me into it was those, those three baits specifically. Getting the topwater blow ups on that Shellcracker G2, just clicking it along. And then you bring it right past that log, and you're like, oh, something's going to come out and smoke it. Yeah. Sure enough. That's so sick. <laughs> <laughs> and after, after your Shine Glide experience, or I guess you probably... I actually like, never had a Shine Glide. I had, like, S waivers. I tried to S oh, waivers. Okay. And, uh, honestly, like, the glides, because I was bank fishing. I, I didn't... Yeah. Uh, it took me a while. Actually, I was way into the swim baits, and I was sitting there one day with... Uh, I had a hundred swim baits on a rack. Like I said, I was super into like, I got to try every single bait that's out there. And I've seen dudes catch on this and I've seen guys catch on that. What does this one do? What does that one do? Uh, what's different about th- what makes this one different from this one? They're kind of the sa- same bait, but what makes it different? Why, why do guys seem to like this one more, you know? And I'm sitting there with all these baits and I'm bank fishing and then the light bulb just went off one day. Like I'm just going to sell baits and I'm going to get a kayak because I don't need to have 100 baits that I can't even use 60 of them effectively because <laughs> they're glides or they sink or, you know, whatever, that you're just scared to lose even a $60 bait that you're fishing from the bank. You don't want to, you know, be shelling out money, and you're not fishing it effectively. You might have that $60 bait that sinks, and you're casting it out there from the shore, but you're making sure to keep it up at the surface. You don't want to get it down there in the in the juicy zone because you don't want to lose it. Or you're worried you don't know the exact topography because you're just a bank fisherman. And you haven't dragged yeah. a jig all over the inch of that place yet, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I just one day, I was just like, screw this. I'm a dumbass. I'm not doing like having tons of baits and not being able to actually use them and get after it and i posted on universe this was back before you got yelled at for posting a reason and i said uh <laughs> I, I used to always put up just posts like oh tons of baits on the floor if you like something here send me an offer that sort of thing and i did one yeah. of those posts like i'm trying to buy a kayak if you see something here you like send me an offer and i think i sold like eight ten baits out of those hundred baits and Went out and bought a bonafide next day, very next day. Went right out and bought it and been still fishing out of it here now, five years later. Hell yeah, dude. I, I'm i trying to think. My first, my first glide bait was the Shine Glide, and I absolutely hated that thing. For the longest time, I hated, hated glide baits. All I, dude, for like two and a half years, all I was fishing was that Gantrell. 
And then I bought a burrito. Uh, so when like the burrito jig hook gills were like super hype and hard to get because they only he only dropped so many on the site every Sunday, I bought one and I was super excited to fish it. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this thing's just like Gantrout's soft bait. I'll probably catch a bunch of fish on it. Like on my fifth or sixth cast, dude, I, I casted that thing off. <laughs> it's like, son of a bitch. Like that was like the first bait that I had lost that like meant something. Like, no, that was definitely the first bait I lost. And that bait also meant something to me because like the time that was like a super cool bait and like everybody wanted that bait. And I remember just sitting there and I was just like, son of a bitch. I cannot believe I just did that. And then after that, I don't even remember. But it was like, it wasn't up until like four years ago that I really got into glide baits. And then when I figured out how to catch fish on a glide bait, I was like, oh my gosh, how is this legal? This is the most fun thing ever. You had to have been around for the J.D. Apnit days whenever yeah, he was doing yeah. the burrito page. And then Gail yeah. was like, do not make this a burrito page. <laughs> like, I do not have any affiliation with it whatsoever. And then that guy ended up, he was really nice for a while in the crooked all of a sudden it seemed like then some stuff happened he made some comments and then it just (laughs) there's it happens often in the community because one thing that is nice about the community is they're very accepting and there's tons of people that are in recovery and stuff like that and other people share their stories and try to support each other but every so often one of these people that is in recovery they are no longer in recovery (laughs) and they decide that oh i'm in this expensive hobby and all these people have my trust and this is my ticket to get my drugs that i'm now back into you know yeah but I, dude, it, I'll say it's few it's few and far between it it doesn't happen very often but now there are some of them you know now it feels like there are people who how do i when i when i explain this you'll know about it because i think uh you we've there's been comments and stuff about it and a lot of people probably will but now there's people who mm, uh don't necessarily get handouts, but they get helped along the way. Uh, whether that be baits for gifts or you know good prices because they want said bait, and then you know like a week and a half later they use the same pictures from the post that they bought it on and that they were selling this bait for you know double or triple, like pretty much flipping it. And everybody's yes. like, "Hey, whoa, that's not cool!" They're like, "Oh, are you making fun of me?" Like, <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Not to name names or point fingers, but if you're on Universe and you're around, you probably have an idea of at least one person off the top of my head that I can think of. Yeah, there's a lot of people, but honestly, uh, I try to not pass judgment on anybody because I'll, I've met so many dudes and I've talked to them face to face, going to these events and stuff like that. You know, yeah. it's different whenever all you see is online. Yeah, and a lot of these dudes don't don't got it like you think they got it because they got all these nice baits or they they're you see them blowing money on waffles or whatever. Some of these dudes just they they don't got something that's driving them and making them passionate. And so getting the baits and uh, doing the buy sell trade is what keeps them connected and keeps them happy and and engaged in the community and uh and gets them stoked coming home you know maybe you're not catching fish for you're having a drought you're not catching you're going out yeah. time after time and you're not catching fish for three four weeks or something like that what brings you stoke coming home to some sick ass bait maybe you spent too much on it but you open up the mail and you're like oh fuck oh, yeah dude God. this is gonna be it you know this yeah. is gonna be the one that turns it turns it around Game for finger. me <laughs> you know or whatever so uh i try not to 
judge people too much about what their activity is or look into it or like why is this guy doing that or whatever until it gets to be something shady like we were just talking about where it's like uh, this guy seems to be having weird communication with three or four different people and yeah it's about shipping a bait or <laughs> uh three different people said they bought this bait off this guy <laughs> yeah i i will say as much as people like i mean you were like you're just saying as much as people affiliate it with with it being a fishing page or a fishing group or like a fishing community it's also like for like you said for a lot of people it's just fun to for the hunt they're, maybe they're not necessarily or they're not in the position to hunt a big fish a trophy fish but their hunt is oh my gosh i really want this bait in this colorway like I am on a hunt. Like I have the I have the word pinged on Facebook that it'll ping me when somebody posts or mentions this word, and I guess I don't understand why people have a problem with that. Like if that's what they want to do, man, that's what they want to do. That's their money, you know. You buy, you know, maybe maybe like like you mentioned earlier. Oh, maybe you spend three hundred dollars on a a UV glow in the dark bong. What's it matter if he's going to spend three hundred dollars on a rat or something? Like everybody's got their thing. You don't need to bash somebody for theirs. Yep. Most of that stuff's based out of jealousy. They either don't have the funds to do that and they wish they do, or they like the baits but think that the price isn't justifiable and they can't believe that somebody else is able to justify it or whatever. You know what I mean? It, everybody's in a different situation. Yeah. It's, Not it's every only... single person that's in the swimming community is super rich or... Uh, not every single person is an extremely avid angler. I think a lot of people that are in the community, honestly, their biggest thing is they like being tied to fishing in some manner. They don't have the time to do it as much as they'd like to anymore. They can't really get after it. They maybe go twice a month. Uh, they got to put in a lot of effort. Like we were just talking about uh, where you live is yeah. different for everybody. Oh, you live in that state. You must have great fishing. Uh, it's three hour drive to get to a good lake, you know, or yeah. like people say like, oh, you live in Texas. You must, you got great fishing. Well, you might live somewhere where it's an hour and a half drive any direction to actually get the water. Cause there's yeah. a lot of spots that there aren't water too, you know, or yeah. they're private lands where you're going to get shot if you try to go roll up there and start fishing. Right. And I also feel like the community is kind of a place where one, I mean, relative, you know, if you're, if you're not a douchebag or, you know, whatever interword here, like once you're a part of it, you're, you're, you're a part of it. Like, you know, you got guys like Ryan Perry who used to just fish all the time. He, he made the gizzard wizard. He was super, super huge into the community for a while. And then recently he just kind of took a step back and is getting back into music and stuff. And I mean, you still, you'll, I mean, I'll scroll through and he'll comment, Oh, nice fish. Like, you know, good PB, whatever. And it's just like, wow. Like, this guy, this this isn't his hobby of choice right now, but he's still like interacting. Like he's not, he's not being a sourpuss about it or just, or just whatever. It's like, oh, that's that's super cool. You know, there's guys who go on there and have to sell all their baits for you know X Y Z reason, and you know you still see him on there. Like, oh, I was I was able to get out for a little while today. You know, I caught a four pounder, and you're just like, that's that's cool. Like it's it's cool to see. Just because you leave doesn't mean you're secluded from the group or whatever it may be. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, like uh, it's funny you mentioned Ryan Perry because I uh, I bought a reel off of him whenever he was unloading some of his stuff recently. Yeah. But another name uh, 
that's an OG in the community that a lot of people that are listening to this don't even know is Joseph Montgomery. I've been playing video games with him uh, <laughs> yeah, recently, yeah. and we connected through uh, like a post that I had made about like, oh, jump on and be be our third on Apex right now, and we'll get give you a piss bait if you're in there in the first thirty seconds or something like that. You know, just fucking around. And uh, now I play with him a lot of nights and. He's he's not fishing or super active on there like he used to be, but he used to be posting big fish all the time and making uh, YouTube videos and uh, trying to help people with, uh, you know, kind of like Jason Carroll does with bait reviews and stuff. Like just, hey, these are some baits that I own. Here's how I would apply them. Here's how I rig them up. Here's how I would fish them and stuff like that. This one's good for doing this, this, or that and stuff like that. But, you know, he's got kids, family, work life going on and he's not fishing super heavily right now but he's an og in the community still to me you know and it's funny whenever i talk to him just hanging out playing video games he's you know same dude that i've interacted with for years on the community and that's how a lot of people are you meet them finally face to face or you talk to them on a regular basis maybe over the phone or you facebook messenger call or whatever yeah and uh, I'd say 95% of the people are almost exactly how they interact on Facebook and how you would expect. There are some people that you're like, damn, this dude talks all the time on there. And yeah. In person, he's like shy and super quiet and timid, you know. But it's very interesting getting the face-to-face interaction. And that's a big reason I encourage everybody to go to events and stuff like that. It's really cool to hang out with people that share the same passion as you. And Yeah. Uh, and, your brain's ticking like your brain's ticking and then get get that face to face more. It's it's just super personal, you know? You'll make buddies for life potentially. Yeah. And and speaking of face to face interaction, I will say you're probably in the top two percent of recognizable people going going from Facebook posts to, to seeing in person. Like you can be walking through the event, oh hey, look, it's Ross. Like you can't you can't miss you. Like you're like, you know, you run into guys and you're talking to them and you're like, oh, I know who this guy is, but I, I can't remember his name or, you know, whatever it may be. And then, you know, you're walking through and like I said, like, oh, that's Ross. Like, I've talked to him before. I know who he is. <laughs> Tell you what, that has caused me more awkwardness than anything because everybody oh recognizes me, but yeah. they won't be like, yo, dude, I'm so-and-so. And it's like they've got a cartoon for their profile picture on Facebook or whatever, and they never post. And they know exactly who I am. And they're like, Ross, what's up, dude? So good to see you. So good to be Yeah. Like, who am I talking to right now? And they're like, oh, I'm so-and-so. Thank you. Now I know exactly who it is. You're yeah. always doing this. You know, I'll, I know whatever their activity is on there. I'm like, oh, you're the guy that's always looking for this type of bait or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Or you're I, the guy that sticks big fish in Kentucky or wherever, you know. Yeah, you're the guy that has this background when he's selling baits. Like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. Like, I remember buying a bait yeah. from you or whatever it may be. Yep. Oh, I've had that too. Like, oh, yeah, you sold me my first this, that, or the other thing. And, oh, that's sick. You remember that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's 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 interesting when, like, somebody walks up to you and they have their hand out extended for a handshake and, you go in for the handshake and they're like, oh man, I'm super excited. I get to meet you. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to talk to you or meet you in person or, you know, whatever it may be. And you're just sitting there and like in the back of my head, that, that gerbil is just running laps on that damn, on that damn wheel. And it's like, who is this guy? Like I'm, I, 
please do not make me say oh, yeah, yeah you're like you're so familiar and yeah. i think i know you but i'm not quite sure and, then and it's always like, oh yeah i'm so and so or you ask somebody you're like dude i totally blanked who is that guy right there and then they're yeah. like oh that's that's this dude yeah. and it's like how do you how do you go about being like oh yeah what's up dude uh what, what's your name like who are you it's like okay like i don't want to maybe not necessarily sound like a dick but i don't want to be like oh dude like i'm i don't even know who you are like who are you again it's just like there's a fine line between uh just being like nonchalant about it and then just being straight up like dude like i'm gonna be honest i don't know who you are (laughs) like i don't know man so it's always a fun game to play i try to either just be straight up about it if i'm feeling good in that moment my buddy right like, you know who that guy is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. And so you – do you help – I can't remember off the top of my head. You help, like, at the Piz booth during shows, right? Like, when you're at a show, you usually help? Yeah. Uh, I have been for the past couple of years, I think since Gathering 2. Uh, first I Gathering, I showed up not knowing anybody. Uh, I actually didn't make any plans whatsoever for the first Gathering. I went – I was going to go by myself and just sleep in my car. I was like, it's on a Saturday. I'll drive down there Friday night. Uh, I'll get there, you know, before it's starting and take a little nap in my car and go to the event, sleep in my car, and try to find somebody to fish with on Sunday and yeah, whatever. Fly by the seat of my pants type dude. That's just, you know, if there's something I want to do, like I'm, I'm going to make sure I get there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, like, a couple of days before the event, Keith Marcus posted, uh, anybody that needs a place to stay, I got a place to stay for 20 bucks a night. Yeah. And at that point, any reasonable, sane human being had already made plans and booked hotel rooms or had their accommodations planned out. Figured out. And <laughs> I hit him up, like, hey, I had no plans at all. I was going to sleep in my car. So if you really got a place and you're willing to let me in, then I'm in. And he said, Sure thing. Got a room for you. And Holy shit. So I just, I just met him at the gathering. And uh, and then, like like I said, that was just a few days before it. And right around that same time, uh, I had liked, I liked a waffle post. Like somebody posted a bait, and I just liked it. And this dude, Matt from Florida, Matt Valente, he hit me up. Love that guy. Messaged me out of the blue. Hey, was that your bait that you put up? No, that wasn't me. It's like, oh, I saw you liked the post. I wasn't sure if you were doing that, like the follow it or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so then we just started small talking about the gathering coming up. I was like, oh, are you going? Because I'm going. And he was like, nah, I took the week off and I was going to, but it's really long drive and Yada yada yada, dude. I hyped his ass up. I was like, "You gotta fucking go!" Like, I was, I didn't have any plans, but this dude posted the other day, twenty bucks a night. Like, hit him up and see if there's a room left. Like, all these other people already had plans, so there might be a good chance that there's a room available. And he sent Keith a message, and Keith was like, "Yeah, I got one bed left." And he was like, "He said he's got a place for me." And then uh, I was supposed to fish the uh, gathering tournament actually because. Uh, like I said, I didn't have any plans for it. I was just going to try to find somebody. And I think Wayne had made a post, like, who needs a partner? Because he was looking for one of his friends that's from his area. And uh, I I was partnered up with him. And then last minute, he backed out. 
he couldn't make it as a kid got sick or something like that. I forget what the scenario was exactly, but while I'm talking to Matt and then he got the room, I was like, dude, I got a boat. It's already rented at the marina and uh, or, you know, at the Ed Allen's boat launch or whatever it's called. And uh, we got a spot in the tournament. So you and me can fish the tournament together. You got a room with Keith. You already requested the week off of work. What excuses you got now? And yeah. He's just like, all right, fuck it, I'm doing it. Like, literally never talked to this dude in my life. And I just hyped him up and was like, come on, let's go. We're, we're going to make memories and we're going to have a great time. And, like, everything's going to work out. And he ended up, first five minutes of meeting Keith, we were talking about the tater hog baits. Because I think I was talking about, you know, that incredible day I'd had or whatever. And... Matt's like, I've never even seen one. And Keith's like, oh, you don't have any tater hogs? Oh, come here. Hands him a freaking tater hog. And it's like, that's yours, buddy. Go fish it. And he was like, what? Are you crazy? And uh, and then we've all been best buddies ever since then. Just literally totally random. Had no plans. Fly by the seat yeah. of my pants. This random dude hits me up. I talked him into coming. He fished the tournament with me. First 30 minutes, he stuck a six and a half pounder, and I was like, dude, you don't know. Like, we don't know what the bite's going to be like, like we were talking about earlier. You can go out there and kill it. Yeah. You can go out and grind all day and get one bite, and that's it, you know? Especially out there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and we don't know anything about where we're fishing. This is the first time I've ever been in Virginia. I I never drove down there and went fishing. (laughs) I was just going because there was a swim bait convention, and I was like, oh, this is cool. This is something I'm into. Yeah. And, uh, he stuck a six and a half pounder and put in the live wall and we were checking in with people that we ran into throughout the day and everybody's like, nah, nothing. Or yeah, we got one small, whatever. And we're coming in at the end of the day, like, dude, you might have a chance. And the guy on the dock was like, you got the eight. <laughs> and we're just like, Fuck. <laughs> no, we got a six and a half though. Oh, well that might, win. I just heard there was an eight. I just heard. And eight and that was whatever cj martin won with CJ, the eight yeah. on the pink pads yeah but matt won second place in the tournament that i talked him into driving all the way from florida and he got a couple hundred bucks out of it and they got maybe it's uh, worth it <laughs> absolute incredible memory and great pictures with this awesome fish and uh you know we've been friends ever since i talk to him all the time it, uh that's you know, memories like that just resonate with me so much. Why? And that's a big reason I try to make posts whenever these events are coming up to encourage people that are on the fence to be like, yeah. do it, just do it. Like you can, you can make money back. You can't, you can't make these memories back though that you're mm-hmm. missing out on. You know, you're going to blow a bunch of money. You, you might not get the baits you want. But you're going to meet like-minded individuals, share this passion that, they live all over the country, you know. Now I got a buddy down there that I can go and spend the weekend with anytime I want. Yeah. Yeah. My couch is my couch is yours, you know. Go buy me an inflatable mattress or something. <laughs> you know, yeah. I go down and fish with Keith, or I go up to New Hampshire and fish with Eric, or any of my buddies in Massachusetts, go down to yeah. Texas, go fish with Ricardo, go with Lawrence Lee, you know, go out to California and hang out with Paul for a weekend. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Going to these things and making these connections is is vital, I think. You know, it's like making real connections with real people is one of the biggest things in life, and it can lead you to a bunch of great opportunities. 
Yeah, man. And I'm going to, I'm going to share a story since you brought up Matt, dude, first gathering, we're standing there. I think Phil and I were by Buka's booth or something. And Matt walks by. <laughs> I look at Phil and I'm like, dude, was that Mike Gilbert? <laughs> he had, he had the long hair. That's funny. Yeah. Slicked back. And, and he's I'm got like, that kind of style. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking at Phil, he's wearing like, he, Matt was kind of wearing, I think it was like maybe like a, a, not necessarily a trench coat, but like a little bit of a baggy uh, shirt or like a coat or something. In Probably Phil like a flannel me, or something. Yeah, yeah. Phil looks at me. He's like, "Dude, was that Mike Gilbert?" I, was like, I don't know. And I think we we asked somebody like, "Oh no, that that's Matt." And I was that's like, some random guy. He's from yeah, Florida. I was like, I was like <laughs> "Are you sure that's not Mike Gilbert?" Because he could definitely pass as Mike Gilbert. And it was like people people who come to the shows now, like the the venue in Virginia is absolutely massive. But like you know, the, the dude that first year. It was it was tiny, and it felt really cool to be in Texas because I'm like, oh, this is like grassroots type thing. Like the first year in Virginia, like everybody was on top of each other. It was hot in there. People were buying. It had, that, it, it had that vibe for sure, and yeah. that's where I was going with that story was that I didn't work the piss booth at the first gathering, but then I kind of ended up working it by the end of the show because, like we were just saying, it was small grassroots environment super small like even compared to the texas show like yeah a third like, of that size 12, you know it was like vendors, two long tables lined up and then the couple booths at the end like the fish mm-hmm. everything booth and f5 and stuff like that was the end and uh everybody bum rushed it and then wayne's like no get no, out of here and bgc had already sold 50 bands and the Wayne was like, no, it doesn't start yet. Everybody get out of here. So, like, all the people that are complaining about anything that happened at any other gathering, they weren't at the first one where it was like, it didn't matter if you got there at 4 o'clock in the morning or you showed up at 11 a.m. It was like, oh, all of a sudden we're in a mob because we just got pushed out of the tents. Yeah. <laughs> we're in here getting the go-ahead to go. It wasn't like, oh, single file, everybody's having your chair and get here and hold down your spot and have a good old time. No, it was like, oh, we're in the tackle shop hanging out. And then, yeah. oh, all of a sudden people are selling baits. Oh, shit. Oh, let's get up there. And get out by. there. Instead of, it's like, no, it didn't start yet. It didn't start yet. And, uh, and like- but anyway, so I went up and I got my I got my uh, two pizz or whatever and then bought some OD and some bgc or whatever else and had a good time but i was drinking beers and hanging out with everybody and jordan harrington was there and uh he was drinking and he had his buddy was up from uh kenny wilds i met him in person at the very first gathering he's a cool dude he's ct pizza man if anybody uh knows him on instagram follow him he's a very interesting follow he's eating pizza every single day for the last 2000 plus days or something like that He's just Some ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Something absolutely absurd. Like several years, he's he's had pizza every single day, and he documents it. But he's also a swim baiter, and he catches tanks. And uh, yeah. they were drinking beers, and I was drinking beers and hanging out. And then Paul was working the booth, and I was just smoozing with him and Trent and uh, Johnny and Ryan Montgomery. And uh, Paul wanted to go and like talk to the other vendors or talk to Wayne or something like that, and like you know go get some food because they had like a barbecue truck or something like that. They gave everybody a food ticket if you bought so many raffle tickets or whatever. And uh, I was like, oh, I'll hold it down because he was just selling raffle tickets at that point. 
and I ended up slinging tons of raffle tickets, just smoothing it up with people being like, <laughs> hey, your kid definitely wants to win this bait right here. He would be yeah, so yeah. happy like, talking to random moms and stuff like that that were just stopping by, seeing that there was an event, and they were pulled in the parking lot and be like, what's going on over here? <laughs> like, hey, buy some raffle tickets. You might end up with a sweet swim bait, and then your kid will get into fishing and stay off drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. And I was going to say, Somehow, uh, I think, I don't even know what was happening Friday night of the first gathering, but Phil and I ended up, ended up at Keith's cabin and dude, I, I didn't know any, no, that's what it was. We ran into Johnny at like food lion and Johnny's like, Oh, you guys are going to come to Keith's. Right. And we didn't have any plans. We didn't, we were just like you, like we were just there essentially. And, uh, 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 Phil knew Johnny. They had talked quite a bit and, I didn't know who anybody was, and Phil's like, oh, yeah, like we'll just follow you. And I remember driving out there. It felt like it took forever to get out there. And we get out there, and we, we walk into the cabin and do, like, no service, and you're, like, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like starstruck. Like, I do not know who anybody is, but, like, you know, I hear I hear CJ talking in his thick New England accent. You know, I hear all these guys just, just talking, having a good time. Renee was there. Everybody was there. And I was just, like whoa, like there is so much stuff going on. I remember somehow CJ ended up walking up to me and he talked to Phil and I for like 30 minutes about Mexico. He's showing us how he caught like like 16 pounds of fish back to back, like an eight and a nine pounder on two casts with his GoPro footage. And it was just like, whoa, this is crazy. Like I, And it took me forever to piece together who I had actually met there and like who I like, oh my gosh, that was so crazy. I remember coming home that That guy was Wayne. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember coming home that weekend and I was just like, wow, like I am just, I'm going to have to do my homework for the next one because I don't know who I met and who I didn't meet. And I, I wasn't anything like, I don't even think I really posted that much back then either. So nobody really knew who I was. I remember showing Johnny pictures like smallmouth on two fifties. And he's like, oh, man, why aren't you posting these? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll start posting these more. Like, I, I didn't know. Like, I, I didn't know this was a thing. So I guess I'll kind of get into it, I guess. It, that is, uh, I think a lot of people are timid to post. Like, oh, 100%. Like we were just talking about, it's so relative. What's a big fish to you or mm-hmm. is cool? You post it. If if you just caught a three-pounder and, like, that's that's a big fish to you and you're stoked on it, post it up. Like, you don't got to be ashamed. Uh, like I said, it wasn't long ago that my PB was a high four. <laughs> and I was stoked that I had a fish that I could stick my hand down its mouth, you know. Now I'm I'm searching for five, six, seven pound fish and going on trips and uh, hoping to get something over eight. That's my next goal. I want to get an eight plus. I got a 714 is my biggest in the U.S. I got a eight seven on a, on a Baca down in Mexico. Uh, but I want to get a swim bait eight here somewhere in the U.S. I don't think that's going to come in PA. It could, or my area, <laughs> PA. I know Wayne's always getting. He, he can. He's like, oh fuck that. You'll find an eight. Yeah. But, no, you're not. You're, you're just not fishing right. <laughs> it's different. Uh, I think they've they've got a little bit different. Like even though they're still in PA, he's on the complete other side of the state. It's seven hour drive, six hour drive, something oh, like that. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, definitely not the same. Dude, those those couple of fish he put up for that tournament, I I was like scrolling through the comments because I 
I just kind of I, I look through the the comments and stuff just to see who's catching the fish. I never actually look at the the Google Sheets or whatever the hell it is. And I'm, I saw his one fish and I was like, damn. And then I scrolled down and I saw his other fish and I was like, damn. And then I saw the third fish he weighed in. And I was like, oh, yeah, Wayne definitely probably won this one if I had to go out on a limb and guess here. <laughs> He's definitely good this time of year. He's got a, a spot or a couple of spots dialed where he definitely knows where to be and when. Because yeah, he gets yeah, on them pretty exactly. consistently this time of year. And Sean Thornton, he just caught a couple of really great fish. Yeah, seven, seven and an eight. Yeah. And those are picture. trout eaters, too. Yeah, he sent me a picture Tuesday or Wednesday morning. I don't know, whenever I woke up one of these mornings. Uh, maybe it wasn't even, I don't know. He sent me a picture, though, and I remember opening it, and I was like, holy shit, he's like, I got to fish at night. Like, that's the only way I'm going to win. And then the next morning, I wake up to probably his seven, I think. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, it's probably a good thing you went fishing last night. It's after it, too, dude. He puts it in his time. Yeah, he, he's a hammer for sure. And so we've, we've kind of nonchalantly moved into this category of online tournaments, which has quickly become, like, a staple for guys to have the opportunity to, to get these baits that are a little bit harder to, to grab. And... So you help with the Piz stuff, with the the PizWiz tournaments. How long have you guys been doing that? Has it been two years now, or coming up on two years? Fourth season, I believe. Oh shit, I was way off. <laughs> I was way yeah, off. it's been going for a while now. And uh, but yeah, that was just kind of like Paul just randomly had an idea, uh, like wow, we try to do tournaments. Is anybody interested in? help with that and i was like hell yeah i'll do it yeah and uh and then i kind of just took the lead on it i guess i'm the most outgoing and uh friendly dude too (laughs) of (laughs) of the of the uh people that are close to paul i guess that will also be on my phone and keep up with all the bs and stuff because johnny's real friendly too and a lot of the other guys are you know super passionate and, and friendly, but some of them are less about dealing with BS and, you know, there's, you gotta, it, it's a lot. Cause you gotta deal with people that are like, Oh man, we, what about this? Does this count? If I, I, I didn't quite do this right or that right or whatever, you like, know, oh, or, do I drop the hammer on pleading and begging with you? Yeah. And, uh, or they're, I have this proof of this and I don't have this or, you know, and, yeah. uh, but I just, uh, stepped up and said, yeah, like I'll, I'll help out and do that. And we just kind of started it and we based it off of what the Pat's rules were, but we wanted to make it swim bait only. Cause I've kind of always thought like if we're a bunch of guys out here trying to win swim baits and we're all passionate about swim baits, we all know each other through swim bait groups mm-hmm. and, we're out here fishing jigs and jerk baits to win swim baits. Yeah, yeah. That just kind of always was odd to me a little bit. You know, it's whatever. Everybody's entitled to do whatever they want. But like me personally, I've never fished conventional fishing to pets. I think I've, I think I have thrown a jig whenever I had two fish and I was getting desperate to be like, all right, I got to just get like a three pounder and see if I can squeak into the last spot you know, or something like that. Oh, man. But you just, uh, you just said the dirty generally, word of Pat's page. There's going to be so many people. I'm not a part of the Pat's page guys, so I can't, I don't know anything about it. So 
It, apparently there's a pass page out there. So you guys don't need to be message me asking me to invite you because I'm not a part of it. So uh, anyway. they can message, they can message me. <laughs> yeah. Go perfect. Me message. Uh, if you guys really want in uh, message Glenn and ask him very nicely, if you guys, <laughs> yeah. if you guys can get in, <laughs> ask around, ask around who Glenn is and he'll get you in. <laughs> oh, but uh, no, we tried to base the rules off of that, but make it swim bait only. And yeah. uh, I also wanted to do proof of swim bait catch so we originally mm -hmm. had like you had to take a picture of the fish still hooked to the bait or you had to yeah. unhook it in your in your way in video we have a code word just like any of the other tournaments so the code word is not released till the start of the tournament so nobody knows what it is or they're not weighing fish in months old whatever yeah. you got to catch it during the event if you didn't have the code word it doesn't count and uh i also did got to show the inside of the mouth because I always, even before all that walleye stuff happened, I was thinking about people, you know, it's super easy on a video to throw a rock down in their gullet real quick yeah. and weigh the fish, not show anything, pull that rock right out, not harm it and release it, you know, and then somebody's getting an extra pound and a half on their fish because they were doing <laughs> some dirty moves. Yeah. Uh, so, but we've, we've changed stuff along the ways, you know certain stuff didn't work or we got complaints about this or we said uh oh, this issue came up like now we're not doing the proof you don't have to like have a picture or unhook it on video you just have to show the bait that you caught it on because i was feeling like more people were getting dq'd than it was disqualifying more fit good fish than it was preventing cheaters yeah if you're gonna yeah. be a cheater and you're a bad person and you don't have the moral high ground to be like oh i shouldn't be trying to cheat to win swim baits against other people that are fishing hard and putting their money into this event and their time and their effort then you're gonna go and if you're a bad person you're gonna go and hook a swim bait to it and take a picture you're yeah exactly. hook a swim bait to it and then i'll hook it on video even if or whatever so people are getting dq'd because their fish would go nuts at the boat or whatever and they toss it as they're netting it or mm -hmm. you know before they got their picture they toss the bait and then they're feeling bad about it and they're not rehooking it and taking a picture while somebody else is rehooking it you know so i was like i just wanted to do away with that we're already there's enough honor involved in it that i think showing the swim bait that you caught it on at least is, gives people a peace of mind like all right he was out here fishing swim baits he's got it tied on it's yeah in his video and he doesn't have a reason to lie you know and i i feel like when it's a smaller group uh, well i can't even say that because there was an incident last year but when you have guys that, like you've met in person and you kind of you know who they are and it's a smaller core group of guys you know the same 40 or 50 guys usually sign up or there's 60 and you know 10 people don't get to fish every other tournament it's 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 kind of like, okay, like I know this guy personally. I know who he is, like what he's like. That kind of makes me feel a little bit better than like, oh, this guy got invited by, you know, whoever onto the page. I have no idea who he is, never heard of him before. And he just caught 20 pounds and three fish. Like, and I've never seen him look to buy a bait before. Like, huh, this is really weird. Yeah, so that's happened know. before too. Like, uh, Bo, we were just, uh, Bo Spire, he had a friend that, 
was in the swim baits and fished mm -hmm. with him, but wasn't active on any pages and didn't really post. And yeah. he got him into the Pizwiz and he came out and hammered him. He was on that oh, same bite that Bo was on and whenever they were, you know, stacking bigs early in the season. And he came out of the woodwork and won a bait. And it was like, who the hell is this guy? But yeah. he, he started actually posting on Swimbait Universe and stuff. It was getting more active in the community. So it didn't, it didn't seem as odd after long. Like, I thought the same thing about Dusty. Whenever Dusty first came along, I'm like, who the hell is this dude coming yeah, out of yeah. nowhere? And he's just, like, sacking six, seven, eight-pound fish and, like, winning events and stuff. Like, what the heck? And it's like, nah, he's been around fishing swim baits for a while. He just wasn't super active on the pages and then got active. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I don't know. Is do, When uh, you're going through and watching videos... Is do you feel like the bad guy? Like if somebody is like blatantly, you know, you know, like we like we were talking about way earlier. You know, they catch maybe they catch their PB and they're just you can tell they're just so wired, so excited, and maybe they don't say the code word or anything, and you're like, oh fuck, dude, like it doesn't count. Like oh, I really hate to be that guy. Or are you just like good cop, bad cop? Like sorry, dude, you didn't say it. You know, better yeah, luck. I try to be. I I try to be extremely lenient. Because I'm a fisherman just like everybody else. I enter the events. I pay entry fees to get into the events. And I get out there and get after it. And I grind too. Uh, I haven't been grinding as hard this season. But in seasons past, like I've been that dude that's out there four or five nights a week. Sacrificing mm -hmm. my sleep. Uh, going to work like a zombie. You know, getting after it. So DQing somebody on small gaffes. It, it hurts my heart because I know exactly how they feel, you know, like I know what it takes to go and get those bites and stuff like that. So I try to be super, super lenient and I give people a warning, you know, especially if it's not like some colossal fish, like somebody weighs in like a four pounder and their tail breaks the frame. I'm not going to be like DQ. I'm going to say, hey, here's your one warning. Make sure you got your whole fish and scale in the frame. Uh, nice catch, you know, but be mindful going forward. Your next one will probably be. And then if they're still screwing up after they've already been talked to or I PM them and stuff like that, then yeah, you're getting a DQ. You already, you got to learn the hard way. A lot of people, I want them to learn the easy way, but if you got to learn. Oh, and I put in the rules, okay. if you get a DQ, it's on you. It's not an admin's fault. Nobody's yeah. mad at you or uh, this, that, or the other thing. It's like, you got to reflect and make sure you read, read the rules, watched other people's videos. That's the biggest thing. People come into the events. I tell them, go through like three tournaments of events and just watch video after video after video mm -hmm. and take notes of what everybody's doing, like how they clip the scale in their mouth to clip it on because that's a big issue that people yeah. have whenever they're first getting into it. They don't go for the mouth grab and they have the scale dangling while they're going to clip it on. And they're like, why is this reading two ounces? Because yeah. the two-ounce scale was hanging from it while you were holding the clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did it 30 times, and you didn't figure out why it yeah. read two ounces every single time? You ran out of storage on <laughs> my phone. Like, I have so many videos, it just kept saying two ounces. <laughs> yes. That happens all the time. Oh, man, dude. Like, I... I don't know. I, I really, like, I want to fish them so bad, but I know that... Not necessarily that I couldn't compete, but it's just like, man, I'd probably. Alec has, Alec has said the same thing for years, and he's in a uh, running for a bait small. right now, and he's in both the smallie and the regular 
but we did that was a change we made this season like yeah. so that was yeah. some so, so we're always talking we're like i said we're four seasons in so three seasons in we're making changes to it that help make it more accessible for more people where more people feel like they got a fair shake because they're not all within driving distance of some crazy lake in florida or some crazy lake in Texas, or they're not on a dialed place in Georgia or North Carolina or wherever, California. Mm-hmm. They might be on uh, some place that's got four pound smallies and, you know, weighing in three, four pound smallies, it's not going to get you there. But now we do a pound bonus on any smallmouth. So a four, like a 410 smallie is a 510 on, on your score. So you can, you can keep up with people that, have a better class of fish in their area. Yeah. Damn, and dude, this next month we're doing regional. So I try to do a regional event and like, I try to come up with these ideas myself. Cause like I said, I'm an angler, just like everybody else. I live in an area like we just talked about where you're grinding, 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 grinding for yeah. one bite. You're not ever going to really go out and just stick three great fish in a day and be like, Oh, my bag came together. Heck yeah. You know, like it, it can happen. I've had days where I caught two really great fish and was stoked, but it's, it's super, super rare. It's not something that you can expect to happen here and there. It's like, Oh my God, I had a unicorn day and that was crazy. Dude, uh, I'm so looking- I try to, I try to come up with ideas that keep people being like, yeah, that is worth me putting my money into the event. And yeah. I do have a shot at winning a bait. Like we're doing regionals next month, like I said. So it'll be like you're only fishing against your region for the first half of the month, and all you got to do is place in the top half, and then you'll make the final. And then the final will be the other half of the competitor fishing for the second half of the month, and there will be handicaps applied by state. Like so if, you're in this, if you're in this big fish state, you're not getting any bonus per fish. Yeah. If you're in these medium fish states, you're getting a half of a half a pound per fish. If you're in these small fish states, you're getting a pound per fish. Mm-hmm. So you catch three five pounders in a small pound a small state, you're getting eighteen pounds, and you can keep up with somebody that's catching six pound fish down south or six pound fish uh, in Massachusetts or wherever else, you know. That's freaking sweet. I'm looking at the weights right now. Smallmouth only. Doug Stewart, good old Doug over in, over in. Uh, at his PB. Twenty four pounds, fourteen ounces. Six for six. Five. PB of six six. That's the other thing. I I freaking love doing the tournaments and and being the eyes that are on it all the time because I get to see all these incredible, all these guys and I'm stoked with them. Like, oh, uh, that dude's out there getting after it, trying to win a bait, and then even if he doesn't win a bait. He's like, oh, I got out. I I was out there fishing hard because yeah. of this tournament, and I ended up catching my PB, and it was a freaking six six smallmouth. Like, I'll never forget that. Dude, I mean, top nine in the normal Wiz tournament right now. Top nine all have a bag more than twenty five pounds. That is absolutely crazy. Well, that's because we're doing a month long this time. It's five oh, okay, fish. Okay. Normally, it is a three fish bag for a half a month yeah that's what i thought we've been doing we've been doing more month longs lately just because of the events like texas gathering star wars day toxic day yeah it was just like stacking baits and it gotta gotta give paul some time to actually make baits for people and paint them and get them out old old mr clipper up there in british columbia is dropping the hammer to 31 pounds teetering on 30 32 pounds 31 yeah. pounds, teetering on 32 pounds. Oh, yeesh. He's been killing it this season. He said he's had the best of the year that he's had. 
Yeah, I talked to Stephen quite a bit, and he's like, "Yeah, I've caught way more big fish already this year than I did last year." I'm like, "Damn!" Like he's, he's but it's probably partially because he's getting into these events. Yeah, because like, oh, I, I got him into the Wiz last year, so I saw that he was posting good fish, and I uh, sent him a message like, "Yeah, you should get into this," and I invited him, or I might have even just invited him without even sending a message. It, that's what it was. I invited him without even sending a message. I was just like, oh, this is a dude that's been posting big fish recently on swim baits. Maybe he'd be interested. And I sent him an invite to the Wiz. And uh, he made a post on PizzWiz that said, I am Pizzless, so I cannot be here. Uh, maybe one day I will have one, and then I'll come back and join you guys. Goodbye, or something like that. And I commented <laughs> on it like, you don't have to have Piz to be here. This is a chance to win Piz. All you got to do is be a swim bait fisherman and like fishing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was like, like oh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Then I'm in. I'm in. And then yeah, he's our- set up great to win a bait right now. And absolutely yeah, killing Rob. it and he's going hard and then he sees like you were just saying it's super competitive and there's other people posting good fish and he sees that and he's like oh i gotta get back out there and get after it and then he's catching yeah. some other incredible fish and like that's what i love man it's like these tournaments are more than just winning baits and stuff like that it's like pushing yourself against other people that are great fishermen and pushing yourself to do the best that you can and pushing yourself to just making awesome memories and like he'll probably never forget how hard he went this month and the great fish that he caught, you know, it might stick with him forever. Oh my gosh. Alec has four, five tens this month. Oh my gosh. Oh, he, he actually messaged me while we were on here. I got to fix one of his, cause I always say updated check for errors. And one of them yeah. is supposed to be a five, six, but oh, some of those were, some of those were smallies. So we caught like four, 10 smallies. And like I said, oh, you get a pound yeah. bonus. So then it's a five, 10. Damn, dude, there's just some guys are catching some really good fish right now. Wow. Yeah, like Sean, like I said, he's got a seven and an eight. Yeah. Uh, a couple other people got six to seven pound fish. Just dropping the hammer, man. But uh, kind of closing it up here a little bit because unfortunately we're working, man. I have to work tomorrow. I don't know what your work schedule is like. But uh, what uh, what what's your gear outload or outload? What's your gear uh, fucking what's the word here? uh wow really blanking here uh what, what what kind of gear do you use what like what are your rods reels baits that usually fish line that sort of thing since i'm completely brain dead right now for some reason <laughs> um mostly i'm fishing out of the bonafide and the uh that crawdad that i got and then rods mostly all f5s i got ghost code blacklist is my favorite rod uh i also want i also have a uh, bearded customs one to four ounce that i won off of a raffle off oh, a single ten dollar entry Holy and then i also got a uh, name list that i won off of uh an instagram giveaway so that was really sick and then i got one leviathan that i just got i've only gotten the fish a couple times but air cooked me up at the gathering that was pretty dope which one did you get um uh two to eight ounce um heavy i think extra heavy maybe yeah, but it's for the treble hook baits because I was talking about a lot of these rods that are specifically for heavier baits mm-hmm. are good for launching the bait, but then I'm fishing in a kayak by myself and yeah. get a big fish in tight and like something's got to give and those rods are like not that parabolic. So I'm hoping yep. that that'll uh, serve me well for some of those really big baits like beast mode and stuff like that. Hell yeah. Um, 
and then reels, I'm pretty much all Daiwa Tatulas, and then I have uh, two Revo Beasts that I really like. The Revo mm. Beasts has probably become my favorite, but I haven't fully switched over because I still love the Daiwa Tatulas. That's yeah, the, yeah. But I've used tons of Karatas. I've used tons of uh, the um, Akuma mm, Komodos. Yep. Uh, oh, no. The Komodos I thought were good. I, I was not a Shimano fan, but I've put my stuff through the ringer and fishing you in all climates. Like I said, we've got mild winters. I'm fit. I'm out there fishing. If there's not ice on the water, I'm out there all winter and stuff. And the stuff that's held up the best has been the Revo Beast and the Tatulas. Those have been my favorites. And uh, baits, I'm fishing mostly the Piz. I fished the 316 uh, soft baits. I fished the Battle Shads. I fished the OD Rats a ton. Um, triple double, uh, rad rat. Um, I recently got a hog hunter mag. I've been trying to, cause I'm trying to figure mm. out a trout place. Like we were talking about with Sean yeah. and Wayne and Wayne guys got the big, Wayne. big trout eaters, you know? So yeah. I want to figure, I want to unlock that. I wish I would have gotten a tyrant or tyrant, however you say it in the, uh, hangman kit. Cause I think that's a really good, innovative design with that floating insert. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me to really make your bait versatile. Um, but yeah, I fish a ton of the piz baits, as you know. The runt is my juice. I fish that every single outing. That's my, I got, that's my I got number a, one confidence bait. I got a good question for you. Are you fishing your piz stuff with the stock hooks that Paul sells them with, or are you throwing on owner, just your preferred brand of hook? That is a good question because I get tons of questions about hooks and I get people that hit me up like, oh, what hooks would you put on this yeah. certain piz or whatever? and Or what hooks, even the runt. People know I catch on the runt. I fish it a lot. And they ask me, and my number one response to anybody is whatever hooks you have confidence in that make you feel like you're going to stick the fish is the hooks that are perfect for mm-hmm. that bait. If it looks about the right size, so many people, what is the stock hook on this bait? It does not fucking matter. Not one little bit. It doesn't make any difference if they put a KVD on there or you chose to put a quad or whatever. If the bait still swims right and it gives you confidence, it's still a sharp hook hanging off the bottom of the bait. Or if you want to upsize your hook or whatever, that's okay. You can have a bigger hook. That's something that I've thought about a lot in the past year with some of these wider baits. You know, you want to really downsize your hook to keep it small and so that the fish doesn't see it or whatever. But then that you get that bite, because I had this happen to me a number of times. I've seen the fish come right out and bite it, and then you go to set, and you just rip the, the bait right from them, and you're like, how do they not get hooked? And if you're looking down on your wide bait and you see any hook points, well, then that mouth closing is going to slide right past your hook points because they're not exposed. You know what I mean? And you'll miss some bites. So maybe in some instances you might miss some bites and you go, oh, I need a bigger hook. And then you're converting those biters into catches, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I used the gammies for quite a while. And then I was bending some and I was kind of unsure about them. And I started using quads and using KVD uh, 3X strongs or owner 3X strongs and stuff like that. And actually, I've gone back to the gammies, except I don't like the size fours, but I'll use the size twos and the size ones, anything bigger than that. Um, and the thing that resonated with me the most to going back to them was 
the point of I'd rather have a hook penetrate well and bend than have it not penetrate and not yeah. bend, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's easier to stab your skin with a needle than it is to stab it with a pencil or any other thicker object. So it's yeah. the same concept with a fishing hook. You want to get good penetration and get that barb in there. Mm-hmm. And then if there's a little bit of give, that's actually okay. You know, and like I was just talking about with the rods in tight on the yak, you get a fish in tight and let's say you're fishing heavy braid and you've got a really stout rod and then you've got that fish in tight and that's when they decide to go nuts was like a second before you were going to net them. Everything well, something's got to give your yeah. rods maxed out. Your line doesn't stretch. What's going to give in that moment. And you don't, let's say you, you don't have your drag set either. You had your drag locked down. Cause that's a big thing in swim bait fishing is lock your drag down all the way, lock your drag down all the way and wench those things in. You know what I mean? Well, you got your drag locked down, you got your braid and your stout rod, and your fish is going nuts right at the boat. If your hook can't bend a little bit, it's just going to break, or they're going to bend out all the way, or you're gonna, your rings are going to give. Something's going to give in that moment, you know? And you don't know how that fish is hooked. So I think that the thinner wire, and I try to go natural, so if it's like a black belly bait, then I might use a darker hook, like a owner 3x or something like that or anything that's a quad black profile and then if it's a lighter belly i'm using the regular gammies with the silver yeah dude i honestly whatever hook the bait maker sends with the bait that's the hook i'm fishing i'm notoriously bad for changing out hooks like it looks good but i'll send it i don't care like i don't me too Uh, I have different hook combinations too. And I've seen Johnny comment on that before. Like people would laugh at the hook combinations he puts on his baits. He says, you know, it's like, uh, there's a giant hook up front and a little size two quad in the back or something like that. You know, you can play with different stuff. I'm the type of guy that I'm purging hooks off other baits. When I get a new bait and somebody sent it without hooks, like, uh, I got Me too. I, know, I, I haven't bought hooks in a while. Actually, I bought (laughs) tons of quads off of Matt Hartley a couple years ago. And that's, supply and i've actually mailed quads to tons of people people that have like posted about it i'll be like hey dude i'm fucking 150 quads over here i'll send you 10 of them because <laughs> he had he was just one of those dudes that like we're talking like oh do you change your hooks out well it was really he responsible went a, yeah he went like through that. a phase where he was like oh quads and he just bought up all the quads put them on every single bait that he owned and then one day was like I don't think I like quads and then switched to some other hook and he posted all of his quads and I bought them up for cheap or I traded my bait for him or something. Yeah. My experience with quads, they hook a fish, but they will fuck a fish up, dude. They will, if that fish is flopping around and it's got four hooks in it, man, it just makes them look like Swiss cheese. Like I've caught some pike on, on quads on slammers before and it just ate those fish up and I'm like, ah, I don't know That's what I've heard. Quads. I've used quads a ton, and I actually switched to them. Uh, I was having a time when I was going out, and I was getting bit tons, like eight, nine bites, and connecting with one or two of them, being like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? And that was what my solution was, was, oh, I'm going to try quads, get four points, and these are really sticky yeah. hooks. And then, boom, I started hooking up like crazy. And then you'll go through another phase where you're like, man, it seems like I can't get hooked up on the quads. And then you switch to something else. So yeah, 
sometimes it's a good change and sometimes the hooks aren't the problem and you got bad luck that's something that i think you see all these posts like what hooks are the best or this that, the other thing and it's like oftentimes it's bad luck you got one point in the fish they ran a certain way like we just talked about you might have had certain line or certain rod or you're in a certain position you didn't have control over the situation you try your best in the moment but it's very easy after that six seconds is up to reflect on how you lost that fish and oh my hook's been out and this yeah your hook's been out they had one point and they were a six pound fish and they thrashed like a motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't matter what hook you had it was bend out right yeah that that fish i missed today on that 250 i just I think it maybe had like one hook point in it. I think it kind of headshot it and it just didn't really get a hook at all. And I, I swept into it and that thing rolled and it looked pretty big, but it just, it just wasn't enough to stay pinned between the current and me trying to hork on it to come and pull it out of the current. So it's like, oh, well, but I am notoriously bad for being super hard on my stuff. And I also like, I'm a scavenger. I don't buy new stuff. Like I just, I just like pull bits and pieces off of other people's posts. Like I, I bought hooks once before, and that was quads at a show a couple of years ago, and I put them on that slammer. I've never bought a new reel. Uh, I bought one new reel, and that was like an Abu Revo Toro that has never been cleaned. None of my reels have been cleaned. A bunch of my rods are just absolutely beat to piss, and it's just like, oh, well, it works for me. Like, I don't need to be nice on my stuff. Like, it works, so I'm not going to complain, or I'm not going to try to switch anything. Like, when I start snapping rods because they have, like, cra- micro cracks in them from when I, you know, whatever it may be, or I have uh, reels starting to lock up or, you know, drag starting to slip. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should send this thing in for cleaning. But for now, we're going to ride it out, and maybe maybe, maybe that'll be a different story in the next couple months when I start fishing hard. And I'm like, okay, I need to be a little bit nicer with my stuff. <laughs> I need to start buying newer stuff because this stuff's starting to be a little old. Sometimes I think that uh, you can get a bad opinion of something, too, if you bought it used. Like, you bought you buy this reel used off somebody and you don't know what yeah. kind of shape it was in it was and they said it was good up. and you're like is this good and you don't know and you're new to fishing and then you're like oh these reels suck like how do people like them and i just got one that some guy was selling because it needed tuned real bad and he didn't feel like spending the 45 bucks or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i there's some i sold a reel once that i fished a hinkle on for a while and uh you know, I sold it. I sold it for really cheap, so I didn't like feel bad. And I messaged him. I'm like, "Hey, dude, like, is that reel still okay?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm still fishing. I'm still fishing." I'm like, "Okay, well, like, wasn't trying to jip you out of it, but I did fish a hinkle on it for a while." And he's like, "Oh no, man, I, I couldn't even tell. It still works perfectly." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Like, like I'm pretty hard on my shit, so and that's why I never sell anything either because it's like I don't want to sell something and it just like a real blow up or like you know something break on it. Like I'll just keep it until it's worn down. I'll be the one that breaks it and I'll be okay with that." <laughs> but yeah man uh social media shout out instagram do you have you do you have a youtube or anything crazy like that are you a secret uh fishing influencer and i don't know about it actually i was going to do a swim bait reviews actually talked i pitched the idea with jason carroll randomly and he was like i was gonna thing and we were gonna work on something together and then he ended up starting doing his quick and easy videos off the dock because I was trying to do like in-depth and I yeah. made one YouTube video and the audio didn't load oh. and uh, it's just a swim video. <laughs> There's no audio. It's for a PB rat and then I got all frustrated and I was like, damn, I put all this fucking time and effort into this and it's still right. fucked up. All right, Jason, I'll, no, I'll let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, and he took off with it, and it's nice that we have some content because that was the exact same line of thinking I had. Like, man, you're trying to find all these nice, expensive baits, or you don't know if it's worth a damn. And it'd be nice to see how they swim or how they work or what their application is before you actually pick it up or spend the money on it. But no, I don't have any YouTube. Uh, my uh, YouTube you should go to is the world famous Piz Swimbaits YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> my Instagram is Big Boss Ross, like I was saying. But uh, boss is B-A-W-S-E. Baus. Big Baus Ross. And uh, you, you're Facebook's hosting Ross Barger. You're hosting uh, live auctions, too, I saw on a swim bait page. <laughs> I might be. I uh, hope, hope to have that honor one day. It's, a, it's an underground page that a lot of you guys probably don't know about. But it's, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be big time one day. Ross is going to be day. the cattle seller down in Texas. I got something. <laughs> we got 100. Oh, I saw a hand for 100, 100, 100, 100. <laughs> Oh man! Hell yeah! They'll get to that one of these days. Yeah. Oh. Well, they've had it at the gathering. They've they've done stuff like that, auction off stuff, or say it's going to be the high bidder on this. It's going to this cause or whatever. Yeah, I'm here for it. I I want to be the announcer. I'm gonna pra- I'm gonna start practicing after this. Get really good. That'd be nice. My, get really good at my Texas auctioneer voice. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! Um, I will uh put put Ross's Instagram in the show notes as always. I want to thank Ross for coming on and kind of, you know, we we talked a lot. We didn't really talk about like how you like to fish and stuff. That's something we kind of like somehow worked our way around. So maybe maybe in the fall after after you get on some good fish, because I'm confident uh, we can we can talk about how you were able to replicate that this year and talk about how how you were able to uh, turn the year around because that's going to happen soon. I know it will. <laughs> Heck yeah, I definitely would like to talk more fish. We talked more community aspect today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's nice because, like, you you do stuff in the community. I mean, you do the PizzWiz tournaments and stuff, and I obviously do something really weird in the community too. So it's just kind of like, oh, like, I can talk to a guy and kind of compare, like, talk about what it's like to have a bunch of people that you, you know but you don't aren't really familiar with come up and talk to you. And you're like, oh, what's up, man? Like, nah, what's your name again? <laughs> like, what's your profile picture on Facebook so I can link the name with the face? But uh, I'll put uh, – well, I'm trying to think of when this will come out. So this will come out Monday. So yeah, I'll put Ross's Instagram in the description below. Uh, make sure you guys stay tuned for the zine drop. It'll be a week in a couple of days from when you guys are hearing it. Uh, make sure if you guys want early access, check out the Patreon. You can do the $5 a month, even for the first month, and just unsubscribe. You get the magazine before anybody else. Uh, Patreon, Zine, Sticker. There's going to be a sticker discount so you can get the Zine and the sticker for 30 bucks and get entered into the giveaway. And I think that's everything. Oh, make sure, like I said, you guys follow Ross on Instagram. Make sure you guys follow the podcast on Instagram if you don't already. We're closing in to 2,100 followers already. Super crazy. Uh, just scales and tails underscore podcast. Make sure if you guys enjoyed this episode or any of the other 87 episodes, that uh, I've published, make sure you guys uh, rate the podcast on your listening platform. It's greatly appreciated. Um, once again, I want to thank Ross for coming on, closing in on 100 episodes. And he's going to come back on. We're going to talk fish, and I promise. It'd probably just be a little bit more towards the fall after, like I said, hopefully he gets on some fish. So I want to thank Ross for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I will talk to you guys next time. See you guys. <laughs>